0: It's a sled. He's dead. The box contains his wife's head. Vader's his father. They're allergic to water. She's a sister and her daughter. You watched it from... Why he races! Hi, welcome to the show. This is Wade. This is Siggy, and you're listening to You Watched It Wrong, the podcast where we are in episode three of our epic mini-mini-mini-mini-series on wacky races, (laughs) or movies about them. Uh, That's right, and
1: today's film selection is the loony-loony-loony Blake Edwards movie. Wait, no, sorry. It's called The Great Race, from 1965. 1965,
0: why does that sound familiar to me? 1965, that might be the year that those magnificent men and their flying machines came out, which we covered last episode. Oh, yes. uh, Which premiered in June, uh, June 15th of June 16th of 1965, which just beat to the finish line the Great Race, which premiered on July 1st, 1965, a skit two weeks and one day later, which is bad news if... Now you're the second three hour long epic race <laughs> featuring a race to Paris in either the year 1908 or 1910 with a female suffragette and uh, virtually the same ending
1: <laughs> to your movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tough, tough breaks. I kind of, I didn't know, you know, was this like a Bugs Life Ant situation, a
0: Dante's Peak Dun- Volcano mm. situation?
1: armageddon deep impact situation or was it just that these people really just wanted to make this their movie uh yeah it was tough 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 break for all blake edwards because this movie uh miraculously in contrast to the uh in my opinion sorely unfunny previous movie this movie was not well received Really, it was considered a commercial and critical flop. And this was being the first notable failure in Edwards' career.
0: Yeah, and it's a big problem when this is a flop when it's the most expensive comedy ever made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was You cost more than Mad World, didn't doubled it? your budget you know? in the course of making it. Yeah. yeah. So Mad World, just a recap, Mad World, nineteen nine point four million dollars in nineteen sixty three, which twenty twenty dollars that's like That's like $80 million budget. Pretty expensive. Those Magnificent Men, 5.6. I said $5,600 last episode. $5.6 million. That's like a $46 million budget in 2020. The Great Race approved for $6 million. Doubles their budget in the course of making it $12 million. Now we're talking about a $100 million movie. 98.6. So, you know, like, that's nuts. That's like... I don't know. I don't know what. Like, what was the first yeah. hundred million dollar movie in actual numbers?
1: Uh, I don't know at the top of my uh, head.
0: It was it, a big well, deal I when remember, it happened. Was it Titanic? It's, it might have been. It might have been T2. I don't know. Like it was. It was a. It was. You know, we get we go into a long time before. It doesn't matter. I'm talking inflation. Or was comparing Titanic two
1: hundred million? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you got uh, Mad World. Its box office, you know, increased exponentially. Yeah. Huge hit. Magnificent Men, curiously, also a huge hit. Yeah. but in the same. Like fa- made
0: five times Great- budget. Right, Magnificent Men. Yeah,
1: and then Great Race makes twelve million dollars and brings in a whopping eleven point four. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> yeah. Poor guys, because this this movie took some work. It wasn't just getting some old planes to fly, you know, which is a feat on its own. Okay, but this this has a production
0: design that.
1: Never stops.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> they, they they produced the hell out of this movie. <laughs> it really did. Uh, yeah, for like a, like a thirty second submarine gag, they built a whole <laughs> submarine <laughs> The first set. thing that came
1: to my head is that you go, oh God, yeah, they built a whole <laughs> either miniature and a submarine set just for a, just for a gag. <clears throat> and and it's clear, you know, as is often cited, that this movie is a lot of the uh basis for cartoons uh in the later in the 60s and 70s like wacky racers and stuff like that modeling after Jack Lemmon and, and Peter Falk's characterizations but it's hard not to look at these and go they're doing those cartoons because they are so clearly acting like I mean this this movie seems to be I, I can't come up with the right allegory I've been, uh, or comparative to a film like it but it's it's basically the director going I want I wanna do everything that I've always wanted to do. I wanna do cartoons with live action. I wanna go underwater. I wanna go to the Arctic. I wanna I wanna have the biggest pie fight of all time. I wanna do duck soup. I wanna do three stooges. I wanna do Laurel and Hardy. I wanna do all of this stuff and just this the the race is just a a premise to hang all those things on the clothesline. Yeah, it's
0: funny to watch it today because it seems so cartoony, but I think what Blake Edwards is trying to do is trying to do a, like a big budget version of old silent movies. Like the submarine gag right. is like a Melies bit almost, you know, and yeah. a lot of this is, you know, is dedicated to Mr. Laurel and Mr. Hardy. Um, yeah. But, you know, and, and then like the cartoons are doing a cheap version of that. <laughs> right. Especially yeah, like you exactly. know, the Yankee Doodle Pigeon stuff like that is like the cheapest animation, um, uh, so it's funny that, like, it. that's how, that's, that's the journey that this kind of entertainment exactly. takes. It
1: looks like, oh, it feels to us with contemporary eyes, oh, they're doing cartoons. But no, they're
0: cartoons we're doing. Yeah. Them. <laughs> a lot of this reminded me of Batman 66, you know. Yeah, Especially really the water stuff, that torpedo uh, action. Yeah. Like, a lot of this reminded me of Adam West Batman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Similar kind of camp. Uh, yeah, very much so. Going on. Well, this movie doesn't start Adam West, but it's got a pretty impressive cast. When this whole series is really going to be about ensemble casts, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes you get, like, just extremely long cast lists. Like, it's a Mad, 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 Mad world, which is mostly people not in their prime. They're either past their prime or never really. <laughs> some of them never really hit a prime. Or their prime would be hard to define, like Jonathan Winters. Um but this one—that's
1: kind of a negative casting of that. But I'll take it. Well, I mean, how would you, def- I, how would you define
0: it. Jonathan Winter's I mean, prime? Like what? Like on exactly a, a third wheel on Mick, Mork and Mindy when he's really—I
1: <laughs> <laughs> guess, I guess, I guess—because it imprinted on me so young, I, I can't not see everybody in that as being like the biggest thing ever. But you're yeah. right. I, I, I take. I it mean, part.
0: the the biggest stars in this Mad, Mad Mad World were the big stars a decade before, and not right. making. Like not starring in movies. Jack Benny. You know. ja- yeah, Jack <laughs> Benny, right. He's not, he's not a headliner in, in 1963. He's not, ex- except on you know, certain talk shows. Um, but here...
1: Like the Jack Benny show. Top,
0: I mean, I, I'm the biggest Jack Benny <laughs> fan you're going to meet. I I'm not talking it. shit about Jack Benny. It was 1963. I know. He was, you know, 1930s yeah, was. was his prime, right? It just right. was. Time moves forward. <laughs> um,
1: right, right. But right. here
0: it's 1965, and the top three cast members here are all A listers. These are all yeah. above the title Carrie, a hit movie stars. Jack Lemon, totally a Hall of Famer in my book. Uh, Natalie Wood, like an amazing, I, this is my favorite role of hers. Nice. Oh. Uh, incredibly um, uh, charismatic and beautiful <laughs> and talented actor, and then Tony Curtis, who I don't like, uh, although he's in, he keeps showing in movies I I really like. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, you gotta see the Manitou if you haven't. Oh. Oh, chef's kiss. (laughs) And then rounding up, we have our second member of the Wacky Races Two Timer Club. Joining Terry Thomas is Peter Falk. Uh, Rounding up the stars of this picture, you know, you could never say he was a star of the same caliber as the other ones, but we all love Peter Falk enormously talented and beloved. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh,
1: yeah, and I can't I I can't say enough good about Jack Lemmon or Peter Falk, and it's that's just seeing those two guys together who I don't think I've ever seen together anywhere else.
0: It, 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 uh, no, it's and in the middle funny of the movie, between those two. Right.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, and they both commit, like. Like Napoleon Dynamite level commitment <laughs> to their shit, <laughs> you know. Like Peter Falk is just, yeah, he, he, he. Oh man! But it occurred to me halfway through watching it that I went, "Oh, oh my god, this is this
0: is a some like a hot reunion." So some like a hot reunion only that's only what uh, uh, six years before, right? And right. then uh, just one year before, Tony Curtis and Natalie Wood were in their second movie together so this was their third pairing um but sex and the single Mm -hmm. girl which ends the third act of sex and the single girl is a wacky it's 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 a mini version of it's a mad 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 world i just watched it last week and i couldn't believe oh really yeah it was uh really surprising it's not good i didn't think (laughs) i find it a fascinating failure uh i couldn't take my eyes off of it but um it's kind of a messed up movie I don't know if I'll get into it. <laughs> I I uh, no, I will get into it. I'll, have, I'll I'll get into it later.
1: Um okay. Well, Tony Curtis, I mean, I don't he's probably get there's probably a lot of other factors that I'm certainly not privy to, but uh, you kind of get the I kind of get the feeling after watching this one and then the our our next movie uh coming up after this one that he's in. It kind of feels like he's That would be Monte Carlo. Maybe robust. a little
0: pu- I'll, just, I'll just tease it. Right. That.
1: Or those j- daring young men and their jaunty jal- jalopies. He's. I actually really like. I like him a lot better in that movie okay. I, than I do in this one, and uh, and uh, but it kind of feels like he's kind of pissed he wasn't in Mad World, <laughs> and he's kind of making up for oh, it. Oh, why dude, would
0: he be? He'd be a bad movies. fit in Mad World.
1: Oh yeah, totally. But I'm. I'm projecting. I'm just. I'm not. Uh, I have no basis for that. <laughs> You just have to buff up. it's a mad,
0: mad, mad, mad world. Any chance? Absolutely.
1: You, any chance I'm, I'm defending my. Uh, my you still love. have your
0: backup from me. <laughs> Dinging it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's right. you're a champion at heart. Um, exactly. Uh, so going down the cast list, though, uh, not as much like recognizable names, I'd say, but some recognizable faces. Right? We have. Keenan mm-hmm. Wynn who is kind of a bit player. I mean he's been on tons of things, but he's not like a face I would recognize necessarily. I have a
1: huge huge soft spot for Keenan Wynn. Really really like you him. You
0: love him from the Love Bug movies, which love, I've never seen. Love Bug yeah. and countless which other stuff. I he's I he tell gr- me those aren't wacky race qualifiers. So I, I trust you on that. I've never seen Right. It.
1: He they don't they don't fit the criteria that as laid out. Um He's a great yeller for a, he's a great angry man for a kids movie, I think. Okay. Like he's he he he's got a bluster that isn't really scary, but you can
0: feel it. You know what I mean? I like it. All right. But he's not an old one. He doesn't get shot in the end. I'm sorry? As far as yellers oh, oh. go <laughs> in kids movies,
1: nobody is given yeah. strychnine. He's not gonna, <laughs> in a biscuit. He's not gonna make the he kids just cry. Uh, saunters off to the forest and then slowly lays yeah. down.
0: <laughs> uh, then we have Arthur O'Connell, who's now a member of the "You Wash It Wrong" two timers club because he is uh, he plays the chaplain uh-huh. in the Poseidon Adventure, which we covered a couple years ago. Vivian Vance, mm-hmm. Ethel Merman, <gasps> Vivian who, Vance. And for me, it was like I ashamed I didn't recognize her. It was like seeing a coworker at the grocery store. Like just I've never seen her out of context of I Love Lucy, and so it was like, wait, hold on, wait a minute. She's, she's gonna be kill her all.:
1: her. Line delivery when she tells her husband, "If you don't can't say something nice, then shut yeah. up." She's good.
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> she's good. She looks like she's having fun. I was having fun watching her. Dorothy Praveen also in the Wacky Races two timer club, getting a lot more comic business, like more like comic comical comic business here than she did in this Mad 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 Mad, Mad World. Although I yeah, liked you were her, questioning her, I liked her dramatic. Moments in Mad World, in terms of bringing the laughs. I don't know. Didn't see it.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I like her dramatic stuff better. But I was, I was wanting to hear what you were going to think about this movie because you you questioned her inclusion in Mad World, which again gets my mama bear and <laughs> part gets my mama bear senses up. I, I'm. <laughs> It's just this whole series I'm gonna be just, just still steamed that I have to protect Mad my World. My problem wasn't you. with
0: Dory Praveen, it wasn't it was that they didn't have like Lily Tomlin or you know, like right. why didn't they get bigger names in the female roles yeah. in Mad World? Exactly. No, that's my problem. That's a excellent point. It's an excellent Thank point. You. excellent question. Um then we got Larry Storch also in Sex and the Single Girl in a weirdly and prominent it, bit part that only appears in act three and then takes over the movie. <laughs> it's like a, he's a he's a one note we'll, we'll gag that, that they really liked and so they just decided to end the movie with him <laughs> it's really weird uh, but he's also the voice of Mr. Whoopi in Tennessee, Tennessee Tuxedo here appearing as Texas Jack so Texas Jack Tennessee Tuxedo there's something going on
1: yeah and, and F Troop for all you have you F Troop fans oh, yeah, out and there I never
0: watched that so
1: Signature. It's a garbage truck. Where is bill.
0: That's my Mr. (laughs) Whoopi. We have Ross Martin, not uh, a fellow alumni of the legendary communications residential college of Northwestern University, (laughs) but instead some dramatic actor uh, as Baron Ralph von Stupa, who's going to get a great fencing scene. We've got Hal Smith, better known as Otis the Drunk from the Andy Griffith show. He gets to play a little punch drunk at one point during a saloon brawl. we got Denver Pyle. Uncle Jesse himself. Uncle Jesse from Dukes of Hazard, Sands Beard as a sheriff with a little gag. A little gag uh, during yeah. the brawl. He doesn't want to be sheriff. He's scared. And <laughs> our fourth member now joining Terry Thomas, Peter Falk, Dorothy Praveen Peter in the Falk. two-timer club for Wacky Races, oh. Marvin Kaplan. Out Marvin of the gas Chaplin. station and into the newspaper office,
1: who falls to his death out a window, and then somehow doesn't die. Back, he comes back. He's got a little bandage on his <laughs> cheek. You know, he's got a little X bit. Ba- he's got a little yeah, X yeah, bandage on his cheek. You know? He's all right. You know,
0: the X bandage. Sometimes you have an X shaped wound. Sometimes you just really need to <laughs> nail the little <laughs> circular wound and make sure nobody misses right. the spot. Exactly. Uh, and then we got a bunch of people I don't know. So, um <laughs> I'll stop reading the list. But fun, uh I, I I don't know. I'm having fun. I'm having fun with this movie. Uh let's let's jump yeah. into it. Should we give an overview of like what happens in the Great sure. Race? So how does this movie open, Wade?
1: It opens uh again with an overture.
0: Yes. Which and the D V D is happy to supply us sh- and it's pretty long. Shoot, I, I'm sorry. I can't remember. Does it open with the hot air balloons done? It opens with a slideshow. Right.
1: That's right. It opens with a slideshow that's like an homage to projection.
0: Yeah, like the glass slides the, that they would, like yeah. a magic lantern show at the Nickelodeon. Yeah. So we, it, it, we're going to, again, like you just saw Magnificent Men, which opens with like a what looks like a silent film reel, even though it's a talkie, but, you know, you get the, the mm-hmm. proscenium, like you're in the old-timey movie theater. Right. Same kind of vibe here. Like, you you know, let me take you back in time by showing you, yeah. you know, we're going to reminisce about older movie technology here with these glass uh, magic lantern slides. And, you know. With
1: the, the clever little things of, like, seeing the, the little stick come in and position it when it's out of... When it gets loose and stuff like that, some yeah. nice little things. Put it upside Definitely down. Definitely was a love.
0: Yeah, like oh, remember the mistakes we used to see? Of course, they were still doing like Kodak uh, slideshow carousels for you know showing your vacation photo. Right. So actually, you we're seeing <laughs> exactly. these kinds of mistakes in your home now. <laughs> uh, before VCRs, right. kind of Funny to think about. And then it has a nice dedication.
1: The film is dedicated to one it says for Mister Laurel yeah. and Mister which at Hardy. first
0: had me scratching my head because. For a while this wasn't feeling like a Laurel and Hardy thing to me at all. It was feeling more like you know, a Harold Lloyd or mm-hmm. or Buster Keaton maybe. Um but then when I, I watched it a second time uh today because I watched it too long ago. We I thought we weren't going to do it and then we decided, no it does, I think it does fit the this does have to be in the series. Cuz yeah. it's just such an obvious conscious follow-up to it's a mad 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 world, I think. Um but it's it's really Jack Lemmon and Peter Falk doing the Laurel and Hardy bits, yeah. Yeah,
1: completely. I mean, with the with the with the stuff in the
0: uh, yeah uh, fire the
1: extinguisher th- down the pants, or you know, when it gets covered and going, "Where are you? Where yeah. are you?" Yeah, all and, those you know, slow that's burns, all Laurel and Hardy, even like very the, much the, so. like the
0: gas cans when Peter Falk is uh, uh, Max Maximilian yeah. Mean is going to run yeah. away with the gas can, but then he decides to put it down, and meanwhile. Doctor Fate has turned around, so he doesn't know they're there. He turns around, he stumbles over them. It's just, yeah, the timing of it is is very much Laurel and Hardy.
1: It's it's interesting to see Peter Falk do Laurel, Stan Laurel's same manner, You know, looking down at the ground, looking up, looking around. Yeah. You know, when he's nervous or whatever, trying to avoid eye contact. But then to to have those same mannerisms, but then have Peter Falk's yelling come out. Right. Instead of Stan's squeaky little voice was was so interesting. It makes it yeah, its own thing. Yeah, the evil but it's so version
0: of what's usually like this childlike, <laughs> you know, impish, uh, naif, yeah. right, uh, of Stan Laurel. And then, of course, there's the pie fight. But we will we will get to that. Yes. Okay, we'll get so to we the our slides. Fight. So we're still, going. and then the balloon we have our yeah. slides. Then we get, <laughs> then we get fifteen minutes of cartoon shorts. Plotless. Exactly. Plotless little vignettes. Four of them. Like one of them, the first one sets up the dynamic. They're rival daredevils. It's 1908. It's old timey stuff. Um, The great Leslie. Tony Curtis is the great Leslie. His eyes twinkle. His teeth gleam when he smiles. Women can't resist him. They throw themselves on him. Throw themselves on him to kiss him constantly. He's wearing all white. He's you know he is Dudley Do Right. He is Tom Slick. He's he is what who? Yeah. I don't know.
1: Only not an unintelligent version, you know, like they are. He's 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 seems to be just the perfect guy, yeah. which uh, you know I think he he pulls he pulls off the 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 allure the
0: aura of it. But yeah, it's like oh, if you're gonna be yeah. a go perfect guy, he's like Bruce go Wayne. <laughs> Uh, if his parents didn't die, and instead yeah. of getting scared by a bat, he like saw Houdini, and just and the universe has decided that no speck of dust right. will ever
1: land on him. You know, like yes. he's always immaculate.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's you, you know? know he's the uber man, um, uh, in a way. And so yeah. the first of these, and then we have Doctor Fate, Professor Fate. I always want to call him Doctor Fate. Yeah, he's Professor Fate,
1: who is the marked opposite of.
0: I'll dress in black, <laughs> top hat. Twirl—he never actually twirls his mustache. In fact, uh, Max, his sidekick, will <laughs> attempt to twirl it for it him at, it one off point. at one point. Um, <laughs> to to ill effect. But you know he's he's just he's the rival daredevil who just wants to foil and one up uh, the great Leslie. And so this first balloon stunt. Hot air balloon stunt, where it's like a Houdini trick, dangling from a hot air balloon, would do it. Except you're going to get three more of them. <laughs> and this is—it's really like a wily coyote kind of business, almost.
1: It, it really does. It feels—it feels like that because there's always like, like a like Professor Fate blows up or something happens to him that ruins everything he's trying to do. Fade out. Fade up to Le- next yeah. thing Leslie's doing, like the Roadrunner. You know, he's just fade up. to. Here's the Wesley doing something else, running around. And then Fates comes in on his flying, you know, blimp Zeppelin bicycle and tries to drop a bomb. And he gets caught on the wheel. And then they blow up, fade out. Fade up. He's in a submarine. You know, it's
0: it feels exactly like I was watching this the first time. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? What is this movie? This is not (laughs) how movies start. (laughs) This is what happens before the movies start. This is, you know. We're getting the cartoon before yeah, the story like- <laughs> begins, but the cartoon is packed into the beginning of the movie and with the same cast. That's a great...
1: I'm a much more will, I'm a willing to take that. That's a, great, that's a great way to put it. But it's very
0: confusing. Well, yeah, because it's disjointed. It really helped that I was watching it with the twins, my, my boys, because they were loving it. You know, they had... Um... Yeah. Uh, this whole... Will... I'm not saying this just to aggravate you. They did not enjoy "It's a Mad, 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 Mad World," and they were they were already uh, like, I know un- I know I know fully on board with this movie with these these opening bits. No accounting for taste. I get it. They were, <laughs> you know, I think they just recognized it as like yeah. cartoon yeah. humor, you know, and it was, yeah, it's like Looney Tunes, like Chuck Jones stuff, mm-hmm. and and they, they were. Mm-hmm. It's like this is yeah. great, you know, I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> this is not not narrative uh, (laughs) filmmaking at this point until (laughs) we finish, uh, you know, we get two of the great Leslie, the two of Dr. Fate, Professor Fate, forgive me, each doing their stunts. And then we get to the plot. The plot begins just like in those magnificent men. It's the squeaky clean hero, the weirdly sexless masculine hero um, who in this at least in Magnificent Men was intended to be sexless. Like, that was kind of the point. Right. In this one, he's supposed, this is supposed to be a, the ultimate ladies' man who is, for some reason, played by Tony Curtis, who has a habit of playing characters who try to seduce women by pretending to be impotent. <laughs> in both Some Like It Hot and Sex and the Single Girl, uh, he does the same ploy where, as a ruse... Where he's under a false identity trying to seduce a woman. Uh, he tells her that he's impotent, <laughs> which for me is like very appropriate because Tony Curtis just wow. strikes me like on screen it's a completely sexless animal, and yeah. I can't decide if he's good casting or terrible casting in this
1: movie. yeah, because you the non there's the thing about being non-threatening.
0: And then there's being
1: completely yeah. sexless, right? But yeah. this
0: movie, like, is so, very like f- foregrounds not just like the battle of the sexes as oh, like they're really they're talking about the relationship between man and woman, but they're actually hinting at sex. Like, no, the sex is kind of up front. Like they're, you know, Blake Edwards yeah. is not being very coy here, which I really uh, like about him. In his handling of this material,
1: he brings up one interesting scene where where Tony Curtis, who <laughs> the great Leslie, seems to just enjoy you know adulation from all sides, and he's intrigued by Dubois by Adley Wood for obvious reasons, but also because she seems very capable, she seems determined. He's like, but I don't really see how I why he like. Like By the end, when he says, I love you, I don't buy it for the second. But I can see why he's somewhat interested, because these qualities seem rare to him, are attractive to him. But when he uh, 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 attacks her with a kiss, and then is confused, and he straight out says, wait, you're liberated, and you don't (laughs) want to have sex? (laughs) And like that was... I, I, I kind of was glad that they put that in there. But the weird thing about it is they... They don't like. I really like that they gave the audience a scene where they say, "Look, this does not equal this. You clearly don't know what equality in women's women's liberation really means. You're looking at it only in terms of how it helps, how it yeah. factors into what you want." And but then they don't ever present the great Leslie as being someone who doesn't I don't understand. Know. I know.
0: I read it differently. I don't think he only in that so scene. So we haven't really introduced Maggie Dubois. Um, but I don't think he. Oh. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Finds her. I don't think he finds these different qualities about her attractive. I think he's just used to getting any woman he lays his eye on. And she's she's the woman who's there. <laughs> Whether
1: <Well>, <laughs> you know. He's staring at the back of her head during Dorothy Provine's. Oh, he's song. ignoring her. And then he's she's, te- he's. She's getting he's, miffed. <laughs> well, well, at first, so she, Dorothy. Well, well, that's when Dorothy Provine comes over, but. There's a very purposeful scene, shot, where Tony the is eyeing Natalie Wood while she's singing, while Dorothy is singing. And uh, then later he's telling Hezekiah, don't, she's, that woman, she could probably win. don't, don't short, don't give her short shrift. You know, she's determined she could probably do it. But then when he's addressing her, he's like, you can't do anything like that.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, well, at at several points, he's going to... Yeah, but now we're jumping all over. So when they're when they're floating on a glacier yeah, on over. an iceberg, uh he yeah. keeps you know, after we've just mm-hmm. established that he calls her a courageous woman because he doesn't she doesn't she says she doesn't need it hidden from her that they're all going to die. <laughs> the glacier's melting, you know, they're stranded at sea. She's like, Yes, yeah. I know the if I cook this meal the it's gonna melt faster, but we're alive now, and so we might as well eat warm food. I'm not afraid. And he's like, "You're a very courageous woman." And yeah. then the very next scene, he feels he has to hide from her again. How fast the gla- right. he just yeah, established exactly. that she knows and understands that, and but he still has to be patronizing and and and, and condescending. And yeah. that's the whole right. That's his whole deal is that he has to show that he's superior, even when even when yeah. he is saying, "Okay, you can be equal." It's He's being magnanimous. He's not actually being, right? It's like, I bestow upon you the gift of equality rather than recognizing your equality. You're equal whether I say so or not. (laughs) And just because you're equal doesn't
1: mean you can just do things better than me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I still have to win. I'm
1: still making the decisions here. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I interrupted myself. <laughs> yep. uh, we get the the stiffs of proposing the race. We get um, right. uh, some funny business. Uh, uh, one of a few disguises that Professor Fate will, will do, which will give Jack Lemmon some chance to do some voices. <laughs> uh, when he pretends to be one of the stakeholders or board members at the car company, whatever. Um you know, some more attempts at sabotage, but we're going to introduce Maggie Dubois when she comes in to the newspaper office, trying to get a job as a reporter. So she can cover the race and her scene, this, the scene where she goes into the uh, head of the papers office. Right. Um, is my favorite scene of the movie. I think, I think Natalie Wood like fucking kills it in this scene. She does. Yeah. I think she like takes over the movie, and she becomes the hero of the story from this point forward. And this is why I can't like Tony Curtis is like bland and boring, but like maybe that's the point. And right, right, uh, we're actually supposed to be rooting for Maggie, and I think the movie is rooting for Maggie. I, I, I don't think I'm fooling myself. Yeah, I think for so that. too. Am
1: I? I? I don't think so either. No, because I mean, because to me, the, scene, the great Leslie just seems to be another like they're in her orbit. And I, I, yeah, and so I, I think the movie is really, it's funny, she's third build, but really I think the movie is hers. It is hers. Because she's, yeah. The,
0: yeah. Yeah, and the movie's about how he has to, he has to actually, you know, accept her point of view. He has to understand her point of view, where she's right. coming from. I don't know, I mean, uh, I, I, I guess this is like the Blake Edwards who will come out in like in 10, and or Skin Deep, <laughs> his weird, you know, his more mature, like, sex comedy. Uh, yeah. Or That's Life with Jack I haven't Landon. seen that yeah. one, but, um, you know, he he does show some, like, some thoughtfulness around uh, gender politics in other movies, yeah. and so th- I well, just love that that oh, shows yeah, up here he also, in this really slapsticky, cartoony movie. Yeah, and he he does, so uh, he makes
1: Victor Victoria later.
0: I haven't even. seen that either. You know? Oh, yeah, that's a good one.
1: But, yeah, no, he seems to be playing with gender pol. He seems to be, gender politics seemed to be a, a major concern of his, and uh, he... He does not shy away from it. I it's pretty impressive.
0: It's just hard for me to wrap my head around Blake Edwards sometimes because I you yeah. know I grew up seeing Pink Panther movies. I know you loved them. Mm-hmm. I always like struggled mm-hmm. with them as a kid. Like I always feel like this should be funnier or something. Like why isn't why don't I like this more? <laughs> this seems like it should be right up my alley or something. And yeah. He throws in a gag that seems like feels like a superficially like a Benny Hill gag. Like, oh, lady's mm. dress got torn off, and mm-hmm. now she's running around and hiding herself. Um but I I don't know, it, it like registers different. It's hard for me to put my finger on. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. there's, there's something I, I've never thought
1: I've never thought that Blake Edwards' style of comedy it's not bad, but it's never seemed to be it's never reached great heights. I mean, uh, uh, the content well the, itself. But then you get someone like Peter Sellers in there or Julie Andrews in there or, you know, uh, Jack Lemon And then suddenly, suddenly it's singing like the, the those people make it like, OK, OK. You remember, do you remember from our Joker episode?
0: <laughs> when, Not a callback I was expecting in the middle Josh, of that.
1: <laughs> when Josh Pace's biography called Pizza, yeah, yeah. made us laugh so because hard. he was it one of the guys funny. in the
0: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle suit, right.
1: in one of the movies. Yeah, right. It we laughed for minutes, but and it's one of my favorite moments on the show. But as you said, it wasn't funny as a joke but if you to to imagine he really that he really did that is incredibly right. funny. Like to imagine it on the shelf at Barnes and Noble with that cover that we both yeah. imagined was hilarious, but as a joke it's not funny. And yeah, that's, that's what picture Peter it Se- as
0: a thing somebody did seriously.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And that's what yeah. Peter Sellers and Jack Lemmon and Julie Andrews and Natalie Wood and all the had, does diz, does for the comedy that Blake Edwards writes. It's not genius. But the fact that something that dopey they've made real is genius, you know,
0: I think. That's a good take. I like it. Yeah. I like it. And I like how, <laughs> uh, like when Natalie Wood, when Maggie Dubois is in the newspaper chief's office, Henry Goodbody, that's Arthur O'Connell. And she, she's like, Arthur does your O'Connell. wife uh, purchase silk stockings? <laughs> like. I'm okay. not prepared to discuss such an intimate subject. And she hikes up her skirt. And, you know, and this is yeah. the sixties. Women are wearing short skirts. Like it's not weird to see a right. woman's legs. But it's like incredibly erotic and sexy in this moment that she's pulling up like yeah. look at my look at look at, look at and my legs. We can I'm an emancipated woman. We can discuss my legs. It's fine. It's power. She she's the power over him. Look, I we
1: can discuss this. It's it's a, it's erotic and beautiful. Does your wife have these things?
0: We can discuss this. Uh. Yeah. Right, and I like I like how like Edwards is like playing with. Okay, here is another suffragette, like like those magnificent men, right? Patricia. Like, um, we talked about uh, Sarah Miles, Patricia. We talked about Mary Poppins, which came out the year before. Oh, right. Like there is this whole the sexual mm-hmm. revolutions happening, women's lib, the second. Um, Second wave feminism, I should say, is, uh, is taking off. And here we're going to deal with that with this going back to the suffragist movement, first wave feminism. And, uh, but Blake is, is playing with this notion that women are taking this new power, but they still have the old power they already uh, always had. Right? They still have all the tricks that they had to come up with when they had no power. Um, and they still, have, they still know how to use that at the same time. Which I think is, I think the way Maggie deploys both of those uh, in in the same scene I think is really Sarah fun. Miles,
1: and she kills it. She does it very well. That's the thing. That scene I think about her. I think about when I think of her in this movie. Uh, other than the fact that, um, and I, I do not mean to be base, but man, she does look amazing covered in cake. <laughs>
0: I prefer without the cake but I mean, I, or the pie. But, yeah, uh,
1: yeah, I do too. But but still, most people can't pull it off. She pulled it off really
0: well. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a fan of anything that's gonna hide her freckles. Oh yeah. I concur. Okay, we should move on. So what happens after the so the so yeah, she it's enters a little, the race it's a hot in here. uh race <laughs> is starting. Now we have a bunch of uh cars, right? Oh wait, no. Professor Fate has to walk us. Take us on a tour of his automobile. Okay. This is a scene I struggle with a little bit in terms of scripting. So usually in a movie like this, during the course of the race, (laughs) as the occasion arises, you will see the villain trot out their secret weapon. Like, aha, you didn't know I had a cannon. You didn't know my car had stilts. But no, we're gonna run down all of his devices while the car's still in the garage. We're gonna get two cannon gags before the car ever leaves the garage. <laughs> I mean, it is fun. I love that the the, the scale model with the forced perspective right. of the of his mansion. So when they're standing yeah. at the gate, like it's it's behind them. Um, I love that production. They, they set the house. They- rebuilt the house and then blew the cannon again yeah. and it you know it really does fall apart like lincoln logs uh, this time <clears throat> unlike the gas station in mad world which only felt like it that um uh, i don't know like it's really belabors these devices that we are going to see deployed over and over and over again—we're going to get like six more cannon mm-hmm. gags over the course of this movie. We're going to see that smoke screen yeah. a bunch of times,
1: but the snow melter that he trots out at the beginning—we don't really see him
0: use that other than Natalie Wood cooking yeah, breakfast that on it. Does not help him in the blizzard, which it was designed. <laughs> no, it for. doesn't help him in the blizzard at all. Well, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Like, how does that sit with you as a choice? I don't know. Well, the uh, the whole beginning
1: of this movie, which which pre race, really is, in, and at some point even post race, it's really them just doing whatever the frick they <laughs> want to do. So there's nothing really pays off later. Nothing really like feels like this is going to be important. So I, I mean, I can criticize it for not doing that, but I can't criticize what they do because. It, they're just—they're just having fun. <laughs> they're just like, hey, this is gonna be fun. I like—I like when I saw this before, and it's just free-floating fun. So uh, it doesn't sit well with me in the sense that I, it's a two-hour an and forty-minute movie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you
0: know, it's like, okay, I'll take it. It's fine. It's a two-hour and forty-minute movie that, with an hour left, is gonna start a new movie. <laughs> Oh, now that I did have a problem.
1: With. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to that. Prisoner of Zenda story. <laughs> <laughs> I had totally forgotten about
0: that. I saw this a long time ago. I I, I remembered it would nothing be of that. Very whole easy sequence. to remember it as a different movie. Because <laughs> they're not racing. Well, yeah, because they, it doesn't. They take like, a long break from the race. You, take that section out of the movie, and
1: how does it affect the story? Not at all. It doesn't at all. Like, like, like they don't change how they feel about each other over the course of that no. sequence of them of having a. It, now it's like I now I want to do duck soup mixed with a little great dictator. That's what I want to do now. So we're gonna do that, and then they do yeah.
0: it. <laughs> it's a little bit of Jean Claude Van Damme wanted a boat race. Um, yeah, although it did lead to my a. a
1: A gag that I did not expect, and I laughed really hard. It was in Ross Martin, who was from uh, a couple of Twilight Zones. Immediately recognized him as which one? Hey, Um, I thought he was from well, the real Martian real stand up, but I I, I guess he wasn't. Uh, He was in uh, the four of us are dying, and oh, I forgot what the other one was. But anyway. he had a great gag where he, at the, when he realizes he's going to lose this sword fight, he goes to the window and he says, I'm sorry. I have to, I'm, the wise man says to flee, I have to catch a boat. And then he jumps out the window and the, as the camera pans down, he just, you think he's just going to dive into the boat. He just smashes okay. right through the I'm boat. glad you
0: brought this up. That, la- I laughed my head off. I okay. so surprised. We're going to fast forward to the whole <laughs> section. Okay. Because I got sorry, a lot to say yeah, about sorry. this. Yeah.
1: This sequence is just the fact that they—it's not bananas. The fact that they are doing it is bananas.
0: Okay. The race has begun. <laughs> oh jeez, how do we? I got right. okay, uh, okay. to... Okay, wait. Okay, say quick, what I to say, summation. I rewind a little bit. Yeah.
1: Race starts forty-five, f- six minutes into the movie. It's—it's it's, you know it. I did not have the same complaint I had with Magnificent Men and Their Flying Machines that started a hundred minutes in. Because, hey, stuff was actually happening that was entertaining before the race started. It didn't necessarily apply too much, but it was entertaining. So no qualms but You get there. lots of vehicular um, action,
0: at least. Yeah. Yes,
1: you get lots of vehicular action. All the teams fall out. Like, there's other teams. They don't matter. You don't get to know their personalities because they don't matter. Something I appreciated that my Misfit Men could have taken a <laughs> page out of that book. <laughs> Everyone crashes. Treat them as
0: disposable as they are,
1: as they were yeah. meant to be. So it was then. So you've just just got Les, the Les, the great Leslie and Professor Fate and um, and Maggie Maggie Dubois and Stanley Steamer. Three racers. So the other
0: racers, three racers, drop out because Max sabotages their car so that they will blow up or uh, malfunction in numerical order. All different things. Forgetting yeah. that he's in car number five. So when the engine drops out, (laughs) we are car number five. Legitimately great (laughs) gag. Uh, Even even car number four, the (laughs) wheels are supposed to pop off, but it it flips over in an an actual accident. And then the wheels pop off due to the sabotage. But I even love that you think he would have made sure to sabotage his main rival's car. But it's that the sabotage gets interrupted because it's their car. And so it can't keep going up in numerical order. Because the first is car number one, (laughs) car number two, number three, number four, right, right, number five, and you can't get past five because that's their car. And like, whoops, that was a mistake. I love it. It's like a, it's like a computer program being interrupted. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so we're down to three, and uh, Maggie takes the lead in her Stanley Steamer, which is only designed for city driving and rich country, rich folks picnics. But she still gets 600 miles west right. of Chicago, starting from New York City. That's pretty impressive. Uh, but then it breaks down mm-hmm. because it's it's it, there's a reason we don't have steam-powered cars anymore. And uh, she has to play damsel in distress in order to... She has to subvert her own emancipation in order to... Yeah, Fate,
1: Professor Fate and Max, they just yeah. blow right past her. And then the great Leslie with Tony Curtis behind the wheel and, uh, you know, Nagy Natalie Wood, lags down on the ground and pretends to have fainted. Tony Curtis himself drives that car up and that wheel comes awfully close to her head. It was... I was... Oof. You wouldn't do that these days. Stunt driver. <laughs>
0: yeah. Right. We don't need Natalie Wood's suspicious death until 15 <laughs> years Til, later. Until the 80s. Yeah. Um, on a different actor's um, vehicle. Um, Sorry, now I'm bummed out. <laughs> Swimming off of anyway. Her and Maggie yacht. That's what I'm
1: referring to. Merges into their vehicle on the pretense of being dropped off later because this is all in the desert.
0: Because she's got uh, pigeons that she kisses three times on the head and sends messages so she can get gasoline delivered. Oh, ordering gasoline ahead of time. Oh, wait, I mean, that's right. later. That's, that's after the... That's, that's, after later. the that's later. But they go
1: to Baracho. Now we go into the Western yeah. uh, part of the movie. Yeah, let's
0: just uh, change genres yeah. briefly. Let's have uh, an Indian gonna chase. Go. No Midwestern sequence, by the way. No, flyover zone.
1: Flyover zone. Who gives a crap? No bread basket. No eating too much sausage.
0: Yeah. No swatting uh,
1: mosquitoes. Nope, we just go straight to Utah or whatever. Yeah. And then we, we get uh oh, I'm getting uncomfortable. We're gonna have an uncomfortable uh Native American representation. And then it turns yeah. out that they are actual white people in this movie who have dressed up as a joke as Native Americans and yeah. they are all in the red face, which yeah I don't know yeah. if that's even
0: better. <laughs> right. But okay. What's going on here? It's the like like they could have just been Indians, but it has—I—I I don't know. What's the? Th- I'm not sure what Blake, old Blake, was thinking here. I mean, he was he like, "Well, that- when you in the old movies when you saw Indians chasing them, it was actually white actors in red face. So that's what I'm going right. to do as a tribute to those old movies. Right. Like that's kind of what it feels like.
1: It's just some way to get Professor Fates' adrenaline up, so he can be, you know, uh, uh, belligerent with uh, old Otis. It makes him. <laughs> Otis, who has such a terrible time with Professor Fate, yells at the great Lessie, you're going to take this key, aren't you? <laughs> Tell me you're not going to give me any trouble. We're going to honor you, and that's how it is, right?
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this here. So, I okay. think this illustrates um, like, is is there any depth to these characters? No, none. None. I, I, think, I think there's a little bit of depth to... Professor Fate, I think Jack Lemon is playing this as somebody who cannot receive love, who doesn't know how to who doesn't believe that he is capable okay. of being loved
1: I I, I I withdraw my answer, yeah, I do too I, well that, the end the end flip is is really shows the the broken psyche of him, how oh, he can't accept he cannot accept love there yeah in that yeah. Part, in that regard either he's got everything he every once, but it's not. He has to find a way to turn that into a grievance.
0: Yeah. Because so many of these mustache twirlers, you know, at some point they tie the girl to the tracks but it's because they're sexually jealous of them. The hero right. gets, is going to get the girl and he is not, and that enrages him. And so he's, right. he steals the girl and is going to kill her because he can't have her. And, like, that's never hit. He never makes a play for, for Maggie. In fact, when she kisses him to make Leslie jealous, he's like what the hell's going on? I know you don't mean yeah. this, you know, It's like, stop, stop, yeah. stop playing me. Um, and he has
1: that whole speech with the, the whole uh, conversation with Max on the iceberg about what she's doing and how she's interacting right. with, um, with uh, uh, Tony Curtis. Behind yeah, them. yeah,
0: yeah. He's not like he's not sexually naive. He, you know, he understands what's going on. Um, he's got his own color on that,
1: but yeah, he's yeah. he's he's got an idea of what wavelengths are.
0: Yeah, it's like he's, he's such a, he sees the situation more clearly than Leslie does. There, I think. Mm. Anyway, um, I thought that was fun to think about. Uh, I was I was <laughs> I'm hopeful. not sure what's actually, going on with Max, who <laughs> it seems extremely dedicated to everything Professor Fate wants to do, except for when he suddenly isn't and thinks it's right. stupid. <laughs> he he's interesting because he like he seems to be
1: he sometimes most of the movie he gives off the vibe of I'm just I'm just dedicated to him. But i'm I'm kind of a sweet guy, as it is, but he wants to do evil things, so I'm gonna do evil things right? He just has that vibe yeah. until like the the dreaded you know prisoner <laughs> of sequence where he's all over the map like he's 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 uh, uh well uh, well actually no, that's not necessarily true he's 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 still consistent Keenan Wynn comes to unknowingly rescue Natalie Wood and Peter Falk he opens the door. And they hit. he inadvertently <laughs> hits Natalie Wood, who has an awesome, like, not-go-unconscious moment. Right. Where she gets hit on the head eyed. by the pipe, goes yeah. cross-eyed, falls down, which like I adored. And then Keenan Wynn gets knocked out. And then uh, Peter Fogg's like, I'll just lock you guys in here. <laughs> 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 because, actually, I'm back on track with what the professor would want. So, boop. And so, no, you know. Anyway. um, where we we were talking about before Peter Falk?
0: Oh, but we get to, oh Jack uh, Lemon. Uh, Jack Lemon won't accept the key, right? Won't spare yeah, the time, we'll, even though he's going to hang around in the, this town all night. Anyway, he might as well have been the guest of honor, right? He <laughs> just can't take it, and he's can't do angry it. that right. he gets it. You know, whereas Leslie must show that he has the best manners, yes, and that he. He can win the race anyway, so which is yeah,
1: which is interesting. It's not much of a statement in the end when he, you know, stops short and spoiler alert, stops short to win the race to profess his, to show how much he really does love her. When he'll totally not commit to the race to be the guest of honor at like four towns <laughs> along the way. I mean, this is kind of his thing, right? Is it's got to be about <laughs> showing him showing grace and
0: manners yeah. about him, right? Yeah, yeah. He's kind of you know. He's one of those nice guys who's really a dick. He's really yeah. It's got to be all about him. A great, uh, a gentleman who's really a dick. A dickleman. He was, he's a dickleman. <laughs> Total dick. He's kind of dickless, but whatever. Uh, so, uh, okay. Dorothy Praveen gets to do her, yeah, hadn't oughtn't a shouldn't a swing on me song. Yeah, which is
1: you know she does it fine, but about halfway through you start thinking to yourself, what if Ethel Merman or Madeline Kahn were doing this?
0: Oh yeah, well they would would be so
1: much better. It'd kill it.
0: I think she's fine. Yeah, she's fine. I think you know it's like this is like a dinner theater stuff. I was watching watching this and I was thinking like this is the kind of performance I think like probably the seventies. I don't know. Was the last time I saw somebody do this kind of thing and could do it sincerely. Hmm. You know? Like, you just could not... You could not do this this number today. And it's not just that it's old-fashioned, because I think there's, like, old-fashioned stuff you could do. I don't know. There's something about this that Mm -hmm. it's so unashamed and with, like, zero ironic distance in it that you just can't do now and, like, you haven't been able to do for a while. I don't know. I can't really... Describe what it is.
1: Well, it's one of those shows that you go. Who today would go? I want to go see a show where I go sit at little round tables and a a woman in a evening gown sings, walks through the tables and see. Like who who chooses that for their evening these days? I would. I would love that show.
0: You know, (laughs) if I was at a, a pizza arcade. And there was an animatronic oh, you know, awesome. creature doing that. That's, the, that's what <laughs> okay. I would be watching. See, there you go. Yeah. I was just sitting here thinking,
1: you know what? I don't know what's coming out of my mouth right now because that would be kind of neat to be, even at a pizza. Oh,
0: no, she has to be a robot. So, okay, <laughs> so you still you wouldn't plan your evening for that. I, I love dinner theater. I, I love the idea of it. I love um, mm-hmm. any show that I get to sit down during and I can leave in the middle oh, yeah. <laughs> when I'm done eating. That's a good. Yeah, sh- I'm all about. I'm, that's fine I'm, with me. I'm all about the sit-down
1: concert, totally. <laughs> uh, but the uh, but yeah, the, the the dinner club isn't really something that's much of a anymore. You know, it's not much of a, a
0: at least at least I don't I, I don't think so. No. Not, not at my no. not at my pay grade anyway. They will serve you food during your movie now. They'll bring it to your seat. That's more and more common. I guess that's the version mm-hmm. of that. I don't know. Yeah. Well,
1: uh, someone was talking once about like, like Tango and Cash. Do you remember the the scene in Tango and Cash that. where you never seen Tango and Cash? Oh, well, there's a there's a um, sequence where they where uh, they're both kind of wounded and on the run, and they're going to see Ca- uh, Tango's sister, and she's in this club. She's performing in this club where she's scantily dressed, but not naked, not scrubbed. She's a music performer, and she's got neon drumsticks, and she's drumming on stage and all these dancing around and drumming at all these drums all over the stage, <laughs> with all these lights going everywhere, and people are just there cheering. It's not a concert; it's a it's a it's like a bar club, and you just kind of sit there going what did the producers think this business was? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a lot of money for this production. She gets a motorcycle on stage. She's doing all this stuff. And Terry Hatcher, I forgot to mention, it's Terry Hatcher. Yeah, but it's it's pretty amazing when you look at it and you go, yeah, who, who's choosing to... Do this tonight. You know, it's really, it's, it's fun. So I, I like, movies have always presented entertainment sometimes in a way that I'm not, if, if it was like that at one time, it's certainly not like that now. <laughs> and I, uh, it's always amusing to look at. Well, you had do tango in cash.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's too much tango and not enough cash. Yeah, I, don't know. I guess so. I don't, I don't know what to say. So, Dorothy Praveen's still doing her number, she has caught Leslie's eye Well, he, she has uh, Actually throwing herself at, at Leslie right. She shoves her face in his eyes him. She's kissing on him He never refuses a kiss from a lady um, You know, although a gentleman Probably should Under uh, many circumstances But hey <laughs> exactly. Not his way uh, It so, would be untoward for me not To French kiss back Yeah so Maggie is finding herself uh, a little jealous. She apparently is attracted to uh, Leslie. But hey, she's not the most jealous person in the saloon because who shows up but... Larry Storch! Larry Storch! Mr. Whoopi from Tennessee to himself. Texas Jack. Who's going to a- issue a very angry fiddle dee <laughs> Right!
1: What did you think? Okay, I, I like the setup that Professor Fate and and Max get the idea to, to we'll go find Texas Jack and he'll kill, he'll beat up Leslie and that'll be the end of our trouble. And they don't even get to because he marches right to yeah, right, to, right as they're leaving. I like that. But what did you think of his initial fighting style? I thought it was so great that they hyped him up as this really tough guy. And then as soon as the great Leslie starts to throw a punch, the his 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 muscle behind him takes Texas Jack's guns out of his holster and points at him, and all all Texas Jacks do is hold his hands up.
0: I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, because it makes him look really wimpy in the moment. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, this guy? Really? And especially weird for his henchmen to crowd him from behind when what he really wants is fighting room. Yeah, exactly. He will spend the entire brawl that ensues demanding people give him. This was an impressive brawl. I love this brawl. I, Th- there this, was- I think this brawl. What do the kids say? The slap. What, what's the scale? Yeah, it slaps. Ready right, to go from like rap ro- slaps to slaps to fucks? Is that the rap slaps slays fucks? I okay, I don't yeah. know if it fucks, but it definitely slaps. Yeah totally And it It escalates Like the stunts Here just like Keep getting more and more Like holy shit Although The guy getting tossed Into the bar Oh my goodness That's my stunt of the movie Totally That was like a holy shit moment Yeah I mean
1: One Okay two Couple things this was one of the few times I've noticed the stunt players were genuinely having fun because they were doing little character beats. Yeah, because they weren't matching other people all the time. They got to do little like, "Oh, hi, ma'am. How you doing?" And to get, <laughs> get hit. Yeah. But um, I, the amount of people flying through the air and hitting things hard made me feel uncomfortable for liking it so much. Like watching, because yeah. you know Tony Curtis does that leap literally on to four people who then take out the 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 support support beams of the room
0: yeah right, right. <laughs> uh, women are thrown
1: women are thrown constantly across the room just like you'll see a little shot that doesn't look like much and then suddenly this woman just lands on top of the piano <laughs> 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 and
0: it cuts away real quick and you're like oh my
1: yeah. god yeah Dorothy
0: Praveen that? Texas Jack uh Little Mift is gonna to toss Dorothy Praveen over like a bunch of furniture multiple times. <laughs> multiple
1: times, in yeah.
0: and you know what? You, you know, I've
1: never thought you know, I've um, never you know those those type of things. Even when they're presented as funny, is always really uncomfortable with me. Domestic violence is not funny, but weirdly, those were, made me laugh. <laughs> I hated that I laughed at it. It's so over just because the they were so over the top, exactly. And then she's gonna get right back in the fight, you know. She's like, right. "I'm not done with
0: you." Yeah, I'm not yeah. done with
1: you. Yeah, because you know, you kind of, you you like that that she kind of like is taking everything, uh, taking her back, her own back, and then she knocks out Texas Jack. So when Natalie Wood comes back in and just retroactively, you know, gives her a pop in the knees to make her fall over, you're kind of like, "Hey, I, I don't know, I don't <laughs> kind of really wasn't on her side at that moment." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Then we got the mayor. Uh, uh-huh. He's going to get punched, and he's going to Otis is going to get to do his drunk face. That's fun. <laughs> Denver pile. We got the sheriff who's like, uh, I'm not the sheriff. I'm going to duck down here and put my star on someone else. And, hmm. Yeah, I got a, int- lots of little business. Uh, Maggie like going in and out, trying to set up her camera, and she walks between people who are brawling, like you say, and they always stop and tip their hat to her. I I, mm-hmm. I thought that all were. I thought the staging of all this was great, like the editing yeah. of it. This the, 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 ha, all has rhythm to it, you know. Yeah, it it's does. all paced well. There's a lot going on, and I I think this scene really sings. I love it. Yeah, it's a great it's
1: a great uh, sequence, and then you know our our two major villains just trying to get out, <laughs> and the uh, yeah it was a good good uh, yeah a, a great fight. No gas station, but it, it's it's a worthy it's a worthy successor.
0: <laughs> Peter Fox got a funny <laughs> hat. Uh, funnier than any hat at the gas station. They overturned the entire bar. I've never seen that happen,
1: you know, in a movie, in a bar fight. That's great. They literally pushed the whole thing over. And and you know what? As as much as they fire their guns in the air in this <laughs> it's a ridiculous amount, that yeah. whole building's coming down anyway.
0: That's <laughs> right. That's be- before
1: the fight starts. That's when
0: they're happy. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're happy. so
0: happy they're firing their guns all the time. So that uh, so while this is going on, our villains are stealing the gasoline and blowing up the rest of it. Pretty good plan, gotta yeah, say. It's a good plan. This is probably Professor Fate's best scheme. I was trying to think, like, what's his professorship in? Like, what did you think he studied? What What's his doctorate that earned him the title of professor?
1: Probably uh, you endearing say, yourself to potential henchmen.
0: You want to say engineering, except he yeah. I mean all of the stuff he builds works. Yeah. He just doesn't deploy it properly. Right. You know, his rocket uh car train uh works too well. He achieves <laughs> yeah, rocket he was... flight in nineteen oh eight. Pretty impressive. His uh his
1: car going on the tracks on the train tracks. He yeah, can what say I'm fifteen miles. Yeah. Yeah. He can at the moment a train comes He can turn the car totally oh, around wow, And like go back gag. the same
0: way <laughs> That was an amazing stunt uh, Because yeah. that there's no like match cut Like usually you yeah. can see Like the leaves on the tree jump But no I think that's yeah. all continuous Where you know his car Drives around the corner And then it's a and different then car see that. It's a it's a double on the track Pointed the other yeah. way But yeah they had to have known that, time that was a pot Because if he could coming.
1: Because if he could try, if he could drive off the track to be able to turn the car around, he wouldn't get back on the track and go the other way.
0: No, I mean, it wouldn't so, be safe because that train has to be moving at speed. Like, you right. can't just start a train when you so a little the, cut. Like, it already has to be rolling down the track before you even, right. say, action. Yeah. So, that's so pretty, we go through the old... Pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, it really was. We go through the old west... And then is it this point that we head north through the to the Bering Strait, or is there another section yeah. in there?
0: Nope, that's it. Uh, oh no,
1: no, because there's the place where they they get rid of Keenan Wynn. Where do they get rid of? Oh, oh that's, that's right.
0: right. Um, that's after this because the gasoline's been blown up uh, because she's and got pigeons. Well, she stowed away with Professor Fate
1: because he had the gas. She could tell she gas. was he was t- taking the gas. No one
0: else would have any, so she she gets in the car because it's going to take her forward. Pretty smart cookie that Maggie Dubois. Someone yeah. you want to keep on your staff, I think. Someone who maybe want to put in charge of things. They hear She's the got pigeons. A head her shoulders.
1: They hear the pigeons, so they off sc- between scenes they dump her out in the middle of the desert and then uh the great Leslie and Hezekiah uh figure out a way to move the car without gas, which was to hitch hitch, hitch horses to it. Yeah. And then they come across Maggie in the desert. They strike a deal where she orders gas via pigeon. (laughs) So it's there when they get there. Yeah. To grommet, I think. This is the last
0: pigeon action we'll get in the movie, I think. But I love that she always kisses him three times on the head before she lets him go. Yeah. It's a nice bit of business. (laughs) It's It's not like... Three kisses means go back to the sentinel office because it also means go to this new town to order <laughs> right. gasoline. This place I've never been and you've never been and we didn't know we were going. But pi- <laughs> she knows how to Apparently, tell the pigeon how to get there. Credits to the pigeon. I mean, you know. I, I, I can't explain it. Maybe she's got the emergency pigeon that just follows the smell of gasoline. <laughs>
1: You got a like a damp rag. Here, care boy, go. <laughs> Fly like the wind. So when they get to Gromit and they get the gas, then uh, Hezekiah is having a, uh, he's going to take a stand on principle. Doesn't want her still coming in the car. He thinks she's a bit manipulative,
0: which to be and fair. She's not
1: wrong. She is. <laughs> yes, that's true. So much so that, you know, she hold, withholds the gas signature to receive the gas so that she can continue on with them. Hezekiah protests, stops off, says she, he's quitting. She says, I'll go cool him off and bring him, out, you know, on the condition that you get convince him to come back. I'll let you come. Great Leslie says. Since then, she goes and she kind of makes nice with Keenan when with Hezekiah, but then handcuffs them handcuffs him to a train.
0: Oh, what a ruse. <laughs> kind of like, there will be blood. Yeah, I guess so. Little deaf boy.
1: I would like to hear Keenan Wynn say, I drink your milkshake. That'd be great. Then then we move into the Bering Strait sequence, where now we've had undersea uh, submarines, we've had Old West, we've had you know, bar, cowboy bar fights, we've had supply orders, and now, <laughs> and now we we're on. We're in. We're in uh, a
0: blizzard, Arctic tundra where uh, nobody can see, and so they don't know that they have parked within inches of each other. <laughs> that being Leslie and Professor uh, Fate, uh, yeah, the, the the two vehicles uh, remaining, um, and we're going to have some comical business that will end with the bad guys landing on top of the good guys when they were. Just getting a little frisky under a blanket, uh, get cracking out the the champagne, getting a little getting a little friendly to stay warm, and so now we're gonna have a four way little Bob and Ted and Carol and Alice uh, action. I was
1: and for the first time, I was kind of like, hey, this blanket.
0: movie actually could
1: could do a little <laughs> like character building here. <laughs> through. It, arguments you know, about getting them the blankets together because when she offers them the champagne, I go, oh, uh-huh, okay.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> like it wasn't just contextual. Max, it, it,
1: could just like it could have I been sexual. It could have been something.
0: Peter Falk, uh, uh, Max pulling off Professor Fate's mustache could have been like, hey, we can remove our beard now. We don't need to <laughs> pretend. <laughs> Now that we're all here where nobody will know what happened, we can all yeah. let on pretenses and all enjoy each other as much as we want, right? It could have been. It could've, we could have gone there. We could have had something to hint that that was what was happening.
1: Because in no other scene did they seem more like a married couple, like Max and Professor Fate. The Oh, he's always like this in the mornings. I am not like this in the
0: morning. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it doesn't... uh, It appears that they all keep their clothes on, which is a little disappointing, but oh well. (laughs) Because that would have been great. (laughs) Well, just, you know, come on. Terror
1: fucking in the middle (laughs) of the blizzard where they think they're all going to die. That would have been something Uh, for this G-rated movie. And then we get to intermission. Hour and a half in. That's right. Hour and a half in. He, He falls off the iceberg one too many times and... Go cut right to the oh yeah
0: no that's right we find out the blizzard's over they've broken away on an ice floe right and there are two cars now Professor Fate's going to have hypothermia because he just fell into near freezing water and uh, does not have a change of clothes that we know about so he is doomed <laughs> to die as we go into intermission right exactly but
1: nope the power of the sun the power of intermission. Yeah, there's there's a moment in that I, I, whenever there's like snow inside, the, like the hole in the roof just gave me great anxiety, and all the 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 snow coming in the car just made I hate that. There's nothing more I hate than snow being somewhere it shouldn't be, and I hate mm. it, hate it, hate it. So I was having extreme anxiety, you know, like how when the snow gets under your glove and it's against your wrist, yeah, and it yeah I can't or in my car I can't take it. It's a real. To, oh, I like get from the real,
0: food aisle at the grocery store.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, there's a great moment when they're all in the car, and I think they're waking up, and Professor Fate starts yelling and being very unpleasant, and Hadley Wood just grabs a fistful of fake snow and puts it to her forehead. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> she was really funny. Yeah, she's doing a little business, <laughs> a little hangover business. While yeah, just like oh god, cool. god, what are we doing? It's really hard to. Um, reconcile while watching uh, while watching Natalie Wood in this movie, who looks like she's having so much fun, and then read that she was completely miserable, and as soon as she yeah. had finished her last obligation, tried to kill herself. Like, it's really it's really yeah. troubling. Um, right. And sad. I mean, she must have been a fantastic... I mean, she was a fantastic actress. Um, because she looks like she's having a ball. She looks like she's having a blast, and she apparently like couldn't stand Tony, Tony Curtis. She didn't want to do this movie. She only did it because she went... It was going to get her another part if she agreed to do it. Um, she's getting the paid the least out of everybody, of course. <laughs> and, and then when everyone, she's yeah. like just radiating joy and energy. Uh, and how physically demanding
1: everything is in this movie for her, and and then and then the, what I was reading about the pie scene, how it took five days to film, and they would they threw all the real pies and then the most pies to ever be filmed in a pie fight 4000 pies they made
0: that was important and, to Blake Edwards that they yeah. had the most pies not the right number of pies <laughs> the not the right number pies. of pies the most and so they had 4000 pies most ever
1: pies and they would there was res- you know they they threw it all over the scenery and then they go home film and then went home over the weekend during this 5 days and came back on Monday morning And according to Wikipedia, the set stank so badly that they had to clean the whole thing up and then recreate it with more pies. (laughs) But the fact that they were just the whole just in the like mold, like they being using real pies, it was going to mold and stink, and oh my god,
0: that's awful. (laughs) Yeah, they were just doing like the shaving cream on a, or even just whipped cream on a tin tray, like they were actually baking berry pies and with crust. I mean,
1: imagine Natalie Wood going through whatever she was going through, whatever internal battle she was going through, and then having to make sure you looked tip-top and be in an environment you didn't want to be in, be in a smelly, stanky, literally rotting room, and then get hit with pies that Jack Lemmon says is like, it's like a plate of concrete hitting you in the face.
0: It's like to just the, the Jack Lemmon might have been selling it a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. But I've like, never been hit with a like, pie, but she almost uh, got maybe um, it's like it's water torture. Like after the fourth day, it adds up. Maybe
1: yeah, so. and apparently she almost choked on one of the pies and had to. You know, it was it was just. It went down her throat the wrong pipe when she was doing it. And like, just basically, when you're when you're dealing with all that, and then the, just to be like, I'm getting hit with pies now in a nighty in my underwear. That's what I'm doing with my life right now. That that had to have been hard, which is too bad because none of that comes across on screen because it's just it's, she's she's a delight in that scene.
0: Everybody, I mean, the whole cast is a lot of fun in this movie. Yeah, I really I don't have a weak link in this cast. Like no, everybody is either. so dedicated to it, which this wouldn't work if they weren't, you know, like no. And no. You know, Jack Lemon most of all, like he is throwing himself bodily <laughs> wholesale yeah. into every line delivery <laughs> with, with no shame or reservation. <laughs> like it's pretty masterful right. uh performance, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So anyway, we so we were back in the blizzard.
0: You know what? We're Uh, at intermission. And could we take a little break right here?
1: Let's take a little break. Yeah?
0: Okay. How about a little sweetheart tree? Whatever. We'll throw in some Mancini here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. intermission we are back and you know we didn't plan on going through this movie scene by scene really um but you know last episode nope. with magnificent men i kind of hit the what like six actual plot points in a mostly inconsequential <laughs> movie and after the uh, really cartoony stuff at the beginning once the great leslie proposes the race this is actually a pretty plot plotty movie it's just a plot that takes yeah. weird detours and cul-de-sacs but every every action is like leading to the next thing even a lot of the gags are um yeah are in the course of something um that's gonna have consequence so that's why we're ending up talking through the plot like we are trying not to do so much these days is go scene by scene but mm-hmm. It just kind of worked out that way because, you know, you yeah. kind of want to go set piece by set piece and they kind of flow. I don't know. you got to talk about where the characters are. Yeah. I
1: guess well, it's a movie know, that if, lends if trying, that way. If we're trying, to, I know this, we've zigzagged all over the place in this one. But if uh, we're trying to help viewers who don't necessarily wish to watch these particular movies, then this is, I guess, somewhat helpful. But, yeah, we probably should uh, <laughs> speed, speed through the the treatment and then get to the analysis. This is the the second
0: half is the half of the movie I enjoy a little less. I think yeah. it, I think it loses its focus a little bit. Although I don't mind the big the big detour we're going to take uh, maybe as much as you do. Okay, but we, here we are. We're on an ice flow. And okay. um, I got to say once we got to the blizzard, that's the first time the movie starts to drag a little bit. It loses its energy a little bit once we get to Alaska. And they get in the blizzard. Yeah.
1: Well, when they don't when they don't really take full advantage of that blanket, then you're kind of scratching your head and you're like, <laughs> Yeah, that's where the energy leaves.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, even if it wasn't, it could be funnier and it's 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 all right. Um,
1: yeah. It just Again, pulls off, if you will. You've ta- you've taken your characters and you've you've stuck them where they can't move.
0: So yeah. yeah. it's like That's right. It's not like a pit stop. We said uh, you know, as this genre develops, we're going to see pit stops are going to become very important. Right. This is like a force. This is more like being stalled. So you're right. You're going to, yeah. It feels you're like. Being st- it, for me, it was like uh, Sid Caesar uh, and Edie Adams being stuck in the basement, where it's kind of it's frustrating that their forward momentum has been stopped. Yeah. Personally, again, I, I like, I love that scene, but you're right. As
1: far as a. Narrative, I think people are going to start discovering that side quests are going to be more compelling than basically trapping and <laughs> yeah. stalling, stalling yeah. your characters. Yeah. Right. So, like, we can't move forward until we go over and do this thing at a fast pace, right? And right. then we come back and we can continue yeah. on, right? I have a we puzzle have to, go to get, solve. Get, the keys have been taken by a horse, which has now gone to that barn, which has now got an angry farmer with a shotgun, and I got to go over there, and you know, that sort of that thing, That sounds right?
0: hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah. Not, I'm stuck in an ice floe, and I
0: think I'm going to die. And I must wait to see <laughs> I must what happens. I must wait to see where, where this ice floe links me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Which is where we are now, um, and we're getting, you know, they're all grappling with their mortality and facing it in different ways. Um, some like which Professor Fate more bitterly,
1: which from a writer's point of view, I could see why they do that. We're going to take this breather to like examine why are we on this earth, but that doesn't really come across too much,
0: you know. It's not this isn't the kind of movie where people ask, Why are we on this earth? Should we really <laughs> be doing this race? Is this race important? <laughs> That's a question that will not be asked. No, no, it is, uh. This race represents everything that that uh, could be for all of these characters.
1: Yeah, t- the great Leslie never says, "Oh, why did I go into that boardroom and suggest this thing?" Yeah,
0: right. Now I'm gonna die. No,
1: like he never does that. The,
0: the most important thing is finishing this race for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Um, we get, uh, like we said earlier, we're gonna get the great Leslie. Like trying to be the man in the situation and comfort the woman in the situation by hiding from her the fact that how much danger they're in uh, when she reveals that she's perfectly aware of it and is not scared, Mm -hmm. is not frightened in the least. Despite acknowledging her courage in the very next scene, he will again try to deceive her about how fast the ice flows melting and he's trying to make his move and she's not getting anywhere. Professor Fate's like, this is the oldest battle there is. Man, woman. I I love his voice (laughs) characterization in this movie. His evil laugh is really funny. Yeah. Um,
1: It's Jack Lemmon. How can you not? It's a very yelly
0: movie, and I was complaining about how much yelling there was in this mad, 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 mad world. It did get to me a little bit when Jack Lemmon and Peter Falk are just yelling back and forth, and that's Mm -hmm. like to sell the gag. Um, but you get some slow burns mixed in there that, that helps me out. <laughs> uh, and Tony Curtis is never going to raise his temperature <laughs> in his performance. No, no, no. And so that's, that's, uh, that balances out. <laughs> uh, so what happens? They finally, uh, just in the nick of time, reach uh, some Russian port. I don't know if they say what Russian port, some Russian port. Yeah, they don't really. Uh, Hezekiah is waiting for them. How? Uh, How did he know they were going to be there? Well, they're following a prescribed route. It. They don't really. But the ice flow. It would wasn't. have been nice to have the map of like here is the yeah. route that we must all agree to take. Uh, that's why like the yeah. towns know that they're going to be coming through and are ready to welcome them. Right, and um, and they they kind of do that with the sentinel office, but not to where we can really read it. You know yeah. what I mean? Um. But it is fortuitous. I would guess the ice flow is a fan of the race too. It wants to see yeah. that them get to get to Paris. So it's a fan. It's been reading the Sentinel. It's been reading Maggie's uh, posts. Right. Apparently. Exactly. So they get to the port. Uh, the gig is up. Uh, Maggie ab- immediately knows her ruse is going to be discovered, but she's ready because. Uh, Well, she doesn't have to be ready. Professor Fate is going to make sure that even if she's getting kicked out of the Leslie special, Professor Fate wants her in the race because he knows that Leslie's not going to be able to stop himself from trying to claim her as a conquest, essentially. And so she's going to screw up the race for Leslie. And this is one of a few scenes where there is entirely too much smoke coming out of (laughs) the Hannibal Twin Eight, which is Professor the professor's car, right. and I'm worried about the health of the actors who are trying yeah, to do a scene yeah. when you can't even see them through all the black smoke that they have to deliver lines through. So what happens? They get to uh, some Russian town, Tobolsk. Bunch of bunch of Russians, white Russians, because uh, this is the whitest movie ever made for a round-the-world <laughs> trip. We're only going to see white people right. the entire time. Uh, it's a pretty amazing right. fact. Uh, some of them will be in red face, or it actually looks like black face. Uh, but to still me, white. When they're playing Indians, but uh, <laughs> yes, only white people. We will make sure that we will traverse rest- the entire continent of Asia without seeing a s- single non-white face. Yeah, rest assured, only white people. Yeah, <laughs> They will stand in stony silence with torches until somebody knows the Russian word for friend. <laughs> That's something we all know to be true about Russians, whether that was weird East or West Russia. Um, but uh, they've got they've got in their Russian town they have the banner uh, with the Russian word for hello spelled out in English transliteration, <laughs> right? and then um, uh, Maggie knows and in addition to English which she doesn't state that she knows, but we all understand that to be true. Mm-hmm. French, Russian, and Arabic. She doesn't get to use the Arabic, even though there's a Bedouin tent. Yeah. There's like a sheik's tent uh, that the Leslie is using at one point. But we didn't hmm. talk about that scene. Okay. Oh, what seems... Yeah. So the submarine gag, we're going, we're going way mm-hmm. back when they're doing preparations for the race. Right. Professor Fates spying on Leslie... Because he wants to know about what he's up to. He's in his submarine so that he can watch Leslie practicing on the beach in his Leslie special. And he's Mm -hmm. headquartered in a sheik's tent, which is, you know, the old looks bigger on the inside than it looks from the outside. And when Maggie Mm -hmm. shows up to try to get her to do some reporting and they first meet. Oh, right. And she's first doing her, um, you know, he's trying to seduce her. He's like, oh, let me serve you some champagne. I will pour two glasses without ever breaking eye contact with you. I am Mm -hmm. using my sex appeal the same way Maggie will by staring you down and having a gleam, a glimmer in my eye. Right. And then when Mm -hmm. she's talking about, well, I'm uh, I'm a reporter. Uh, Because I believe in equality of the sexes. I um, am trying to achieve things. Uh, You seem uncomfortable with that because that means competition. He's like all chauvinistic in his gentle manner. It's like, ah, you know, uh, you know, you might think you're equal, but ha ha ha. And she's like, I'm international (laughs) fencing champion. And so they have a little fencing competition while holding their champagne glasses. This is fun. Mm -hmm. Right? Did you think this is fun? Yeah. This
1: fencing? way more fun than uh the daredevil electra combat scene in the park <laughs> which i will take every opportunity to complain about but i won't here go Wait, ahead electra what <laughs> in the ben, ben affleck daredevil movie where he ben affleck and jennifer Gardner meet as oh. matt murdoch and electra electra okay and uh They just start sparring on You say Daredevil in a
0: movie about daredevils, and I'm not thinking of the superhero. Exactly, exactly.
1: (laughs) That's all right. Old Hornhead. How can anybody here not know you're Daredevil after this?
0: (laughs) You're blind. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Uh, (sighs) Yeah, that was was fun. And she's an international fencing champion. And we will remember this. International. Later in the movie, when fencing happens with consequence, right? But, well, no, not with her. She, well, surely. We haven't got to that part of the movie yet. But surely when we get to the part of the movie where there's the big fencing scene, the fact that she's an international women fencing champion right, who's capable with the sword, is surely that's going to come into play. I have faith. I know, if, I know if, it's going to happen when we get there. If you say so, sir. Okay. But meanwhile... <laughs> She knows Russian and so she says uh she says the words, How are you doing, friends, in a non Russian accent. But <laughs> she did say the words. I remembered that much of my of my Russian mm-hmm. education that I, I knew which words she said. So yay. And then uh Leslie shows up. She didn't up. say orgasms for everyone, and she they she all cheered. Yay! She might have said that. If you said that in ASL. <laughs> I would know that I would recognize the orgasms part because <laughs> Eli Brown taught me the taught me the sign language for
1: orgasms. You orgasm. know, I, I you know I I learned so much sign language in college, and that was when I didn't learn.
0: Oh, it's like what okay, is it? uh, like hands down by your sides, and you okay. bring them up over your head and clap. Oh. That sounds very familiar. Maybe you did show that to me before. I, I was told that that is that is orgasm. It's a good sign. I mean, it it's feels. A good sign. It doesn't feel like an orgasm, but it feels like it could mean orgasm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Unless I'm doing it wrong. Unless it's supposed to feel like. <laughs> well, that boring. is the eternal question, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe I can. That we all wonder. Are we doing it wrong? My. my <laughs> sex lies. ASL and videotape. Um, Again, I detoured you, much like this movie is going to do later, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, where are we? Um, oh, Vivian Vance takes over the Sentinel mm-hmm. because her husband cannot handle the fact that she is seeking equality. He is a nervous wreck.
1: Yeah, he's he's in the hospital, he's right? The, they they say, he's say the loony they say bin. she. He's in the loony
0: bin because a woman is equal to a man. And she's not worried about that. She's like, this is just something he'll no. have to get over. I love, I actually really like the dynamic between them where, like, there's a scene where she she's, like, sitting, uh, protesting his paper. Um, and she's sitting out in the hallway and he opens the door to go do something yeah. and she falls in.
1: <laughs> and then
0: right. she, she's like, um, I. Don't interrupt me! I'm protesting the Sentinel. Oh, remember we're having the Simpsons over for dinner tonight. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. She's great. I I think this is like a great commentary on what Mm -hmm. what what's happening with the battle of the sexes. You know, is that like you are you are vying with the person that you share a bed with, and like
1: the whole message of this
0: movie for me is like Leslie has to understand that. His need to be superior in all things is the problem. Right. And until he that's the obstacle in their relationship with him and Maggie. And until he figures out that he doesn't have to be superior in all things to Professor to Fate. Yeah. Uh but especially to Maggie, right? Like he needs to, to That's let a let brilliant anal. You know, Th- that's a brilliant analysis. And I think you're
1: exactly right. I don't think the movie succeeds too much in pre- making that clear. But when you look at the bones of it, yeah, that's entirely what
0: this movie's about. I don't know. I think you're the right. ending, I think the ending does it.
1: Well, the ending does. I just don't think I never saw them. It really kind of rushes a, it at the end.
0: You
1: know? I just never saw them really as a couple throughout the movie.
0: No, you know, no. So, I mean, I think she's physically professes- attracted to him. Yeah. And she's not... But she finds him unattractive otherwise. And so right. she's like, until until you're going to connect with me on that level, the physical attraction isn't enough for me. Right. You know, whereas he but thinks it should be. He thinks that, he th- yeah, he thinks that should be enough. But then again, he's
1: will not turn down anybody's uh, advances because uh, to be a gentleman, so it's like, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I just don't. I I never saw them as a relationship to have stakes in. You No, know? there's zero so chemistry why, between them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so like, and so like, while I, I I I love that take on the on the theme, or and 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 I, and I say take, uh, if I think incorrectly, I think that's precisely what Blake Edwards is doing. There's really no other way to yeah. see the script. Really, it's just that everyone is such a paper thin. Archetype to do everything else That he wants to do visually um, Yeah I had no stake in In them as to be together so when he Professes his love I was like going
0: okay that seems Like a bit much I mean it's, for me It's a Tony <laughs> Curtis problem I don't Yeah for me he never has sexual Chemistry with anybody Right you know and he got married Like eight times I, I don't Know what the deal is mm. um, Catherine reminded me of This rumor it was like one of those Richard Gere gerbil kind of rumors that um, I forgot that I had heard this. Like, how did I hear this before the Internet? Yeah. That Jamie Lee Curtis was a hermaphrodite <laughs> because Tony Curtis was a closeted homosexual.
1: Oh, my God. You know, because dumbest. he was a
0: closeted homosexual, he passed I never on heard the be- XY chromosomes, both X and Y chromosomes to his daughter, Jamie Lee Curtis. I am fortunate that I never heard that aspect of that rumor <laughs> and i was like how the fuck did i hear i did hear this rumor like how did how is this something that spread around pre-internet because people people spread anything that sounds
1: like someone being taken down and i know it's just weird i was in high school when i heard that anything you know? that sounds like sexual. i think i heard it's just, that that's just
0: stuff that just travels at the lunch counter yeah if i you know it just it, that's how it That's how I remember it, anyway.
1: Well, it it stands to junior high, like to me, the the most disgusting, the most insensitive, the most awful, just awful humor you'll ever encounter is is junior high comedy, because they. But it didn't
0: spread from school to school. I mean, Seymour knew it too. So I, I I heard that part too. I heard the same rumor
1: in where I went to school, but I didn't hear it. With the Tony Curtis album. But you know, like and the and Richard Gere I gerbil thing, the, like I,
0: there were jokes about that the, like on Morning Zoo radio. Yeah. So it was, this is probably like that, oh, too. Oh,
1: completely. And also, Dan Savage debunked well, the whole gerbil yes. thing better than uh, anyone else.
0: Yes, classic com of Savage Love. Um, check it out. Yeah. <laughs> if you still have check doubts about whether or not Richard Gere put a gerbil up his butt <laughs> Or anyone could <laughs> or physically, anyone physically do that. has ever yeah. done that. Um, or derive pleasure from doing so. Where were we before we got here? Oh, t- Tony Curtis. So, um, so casting. Yeah, Richard Gere Gerber will always just derail any <laughs> yeah, conversation. Yeah, sorry. I so. anyway, it's a movie podcast. We had to <laughs> talk about it at some point. It's part of Hollywood legend. Richie G, we love you. Um, actually, Richard G, I would put him Richard G. Richard Gere, I put in the Tony Curtis category, where I never I, quite see the I charisma. Would too. I would too. And I don't understand why people think he's sexy.
1: But I, yeah, I don't, I don't. I haven't seen American Gigolo, so maybe that would be the thing.
0: Whereas, like, if I was but, the kind of person who uh, were to end up with a man romantically, I, I would end up with someone a lot more like Jack Lemmon. I think.
1: Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, we and want happily, sense of so. humor—that's what we really want, doesn't it? <laughs> We want to just want a sense of humor,
0: right? <laughs> I just want someone to laugh in um, bed with, you know? Exactly. Yeah. You got to be someone to be goofy
1: with. I, I mean, if
0: you're gonna have <laughs> sex with me, you better be prepared to laugh. Exactly. Well, you're gonna have to with me. I mean, it's either laugh or cry. <laughs> exactly. I'd rather laugh. <laughs> me too. But um, casting. But yeah. I was, when I was watching this movie, I was thinking, well, who would I want in this part? And uh, who I came up with was Kirk Douglas, who Ooh. I I love him when he does comedy, but he can do, he, he would be more manly. He would just be more, like, he would understand the sexual magnetism of this guy. But he also, he is kind of like a sneering quality to him. Yeah. Too. He's got a hard edge and to him. It that turns is... out that, um, Uh, Natalie Wood's sister alleges that he raped uh, a 16-year-old Natalie Wood. So that would not be good casting. Don't do that. No.
1: No, Um, no, 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 no. no. uh,
0: And now I'm going to have a hard time uh, uh, enjoying um, Kirk Douglas movies, who I kind of recently decided was one of my favorite uh, movie stars. Um, So that sucks. Uh, Don't do that. Um, But Blake Edwards who he wanted was Richard Wagner number 1 Richard Wagner Robert, Robert Wagner? Wagner not the uh-huh. not Ricard Wagner the composer <laughs> right he didn't want Ride of the Valkyries he's got went you he went Robert Wagner instead uh, he went in yeah. Robert Wagner but uh he had and Natalie had just divorced I only know mm. Robert Wagner from heart to heart so I only I only know later Robert Wagner um mm. And then his next choice was Burt Lancaster. I'm like, no, Burt Lancaster would have been perfect.
1: Ooh, like... How old was he in the 60s? When was Elmer Gantry? 50s or 40s? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good choice.
0: He would have been perfect. Because he could have played it like a straight arrow, but he's a hunk of man. Like, he would totally have got why women are throwing themselves at him. Not just because he's a pretty face. I think he would have come up with the chemistry. I think it would have sold the comedy. I think it would have sold the action. I think it would have sold the chemistry with Natalie Wood. I think this movie becomes one star better with Burt Lancaster in that part. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. And I'm not just saying that because one of our friends and regular listeners is a huge Burt Lancaster fan. I'm a big Burt Lancaster fan. Yeah.
1: He's a bigger one for sure. He gets all the credit, but, um, he was fifty two
0: when this came out, but I
1: I bet he looked younger. See the thing about Tony Curtis, and I and I I do think Tony Curtis is better suited for the role he plays in our next selection because he's kind of a goofball. Okay. And he, I think he works a lot better in that getting role.
0: Getting more into that, some like at high energy. Yeah, I guess okay. so. He he's
1: kind. He's just kind of a oh. He, he's a weirdo who happens to be in a like someone, uh, the body of someone that people think is attractive. Okay.
0: Because he's not <laughs> and so, a weirdo, weirdo. Uh, he's, I mean, he's not playing a weirdo in Some Like It Hot. So that's not right. Guy. He's not playing a weirdo. I kind of see him so like as the like, villain uh, of Some Like It Hot. <laughs> yeah. I really don't like Tony Curtis. I find him so unlikable on screen. Yeah. <laughs> but Some Like It Hot, I think, is like the best made comedy of all time. Like, I I know, this is what's coming to mind right now. Like, Austin
1: Powers. Okay? In the first Austin Powers, the joke kind of was... All these women are throwing themselves at him. And there's the joke kind of is like, why? Like, there doesn't seem to be a single part of his personality, his physique, his allure, or like his aura. Nothing about him screams like attractive in any way right
0: that's the joke like and in the 60s that was That's though. the joke yeah in the 60s you could be but a in sex the, god looking like that
1: right yeah and then in the sequel they blow it and maybe they did at one point in the original one i can't remember but when they show him having sex that's when i think they lose the comedy because then it becomes kind of real and you're like, uh, uh I don't I don't know. This isn't because it, it doesn't remain the question anymore. Like going head, hardcore like, I can't porn see it. was a weird right. turn for a comedy series. It was a weird choice. Yeah. It was a weird choice. But like in the in the movie, before you, it's, it's all in your head and you just can't fathom it, and that's the joke. But now when they've actualized it in the sequel, you're kinda like, oh dumb I just feel strange. But um so I kind of think that Tony Curtis in a way, brings a kind of question to the proceedings that makes it not confusing, but just not as what's the word I'm looking for? Not as real. And I think if someone came in with an actual sexuality, it might make it feel less of a cartoon. I don't you know. What know. I, mean? I don't,
0: I disagree because in the, because he's not just going, you going for like a what.
1: Yeah, Fritz the Cat kind of cartoon. Is that what we're going for? No. Um,
0: <laughs> Ralph Baskin kind of. Uh, a, I'm not advocating for hardcore porn in comedy. I think <laughs> I think those two find a trouble mixing sometimes. Um Exactly. No, but I think, you know, he's not just I mean, the great Leslie isn't calling back to like a great comedy character. He's calling back to like the stock hero. Right character, you know, like the the same thing Dudley Do Right is is based on. Right, exactly. And so, some guy with a butt chin, (laughs) with a strong butt chin, would work (laughs) a lot better than like this short, pretty boy, you know. And who? Yeah, who? Who is the biggest butt chin you can think of? Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas. There you go. Right. Which is why I went there. I guess. Um, You went there, all right. But I'll take Burt Lancaster. He like, you know, he just looks like. You know, he he was carved out of granite. Like, he just looks like, you know, Mm. give me a guy who looks like a hero. Burt Lancaster, you know. You're
1: right. Tony Curtis does not look like a hero. Tony
0: Curtis looks like a guy who is serving you your third course at a fancy restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you didn't
1: see him on the first and second?
0: He's coming out for the third. Hello. Yeah. He's not even the maitre d'. He's, you know, he's the soup son. Or something, I don't know. Oh,
1: Jamie Lee, please don't be listening to this.
0: He wrote Jamie Lee out of his will. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Well, I did. I I did happen to check to see
1: what year the recent this morning. I checked to see what what year the Manitou came out, which is a amazing piece of work. What is the Manitou? It came I don't out, know what this is. The Manitou is a movie, and I I forget who the name of the man who directed it. But is it the sequel to Manatee?
0: No. Like um, a horror movie about killer manatees? The guy who made it was making knockoff, like cheap versions. Yeah, I'm I'm acknowledging acknowledging it it myself. (laughs) Somebody has to.
1: (laughs) Somebody has to. (laughs) No, the Manatee is basically like an exorcist knockoff that... um, but it—you
0: it, wouldn't know it because Tidal, not quite Star as scary as The Exorcist.
1: Yeah, uh, and also although Babadook doesn't of... sound
0: scary either, it
1: really is. Yeah, but the Exorcist stuff gets lost in the Star Wars element of it, which is just insane. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, Tony Curtis plays someone who is he he he's a fake psychic who's tricking people into thinking that he's a fortune teller uh, he's a fortune teller tricking people into thinking he's a psychic okay. he's bilking old women out of their money and then it turns out that someone he dated is developing a lump on her neck which is actually a native american demon that is going to spawn into the world
0: okay <laughs> it's it's a it's demon insane. of native american descent
1: like it? Yes, and um, um, and it, have, it turns out it that a Manitou is a, a Manitou is a spirit that lives in all living things, like trees, rocks, computers. Computers have Manitous. What? They, they can have tennis <laughs> shoes. They can't have tennis shoes. The computer that wore Manitous. That's what I want to make now. Anyway, the Manitou I saw in a backyard screening, and it became one of my favorite viewing experiences. It's not like how uh, to get Stella ahead in advertising.
0: Wasn't that where a guy had a second head growing out of his neck? I, I never I never that, saw like, that movie. Told him Grant. ad campaign slogans that were successful
1: or something. I don't know. Is that how what the how to get ahead? Oh, yeah. my God. Uh, yeah. That, it turns out that came out in 1978, the same year his daughter was doing Halloween. Hmm. So that was interesting. That was a long walk for that. And I'm making no judgment call on either of those movies.
0: All right. This is the part of the episode where we're going fast.
1: <laughs> uh, you can cut out all that.
0: Okay. We get to Potsdorf. Potsdorf. What? We're one hour and 48 minutes into the movie The Great Race. And we will hit the pause button <laughs> and start a new movie. Yeah. And how about the palace intrigue at Potsdorf?
1: <laughs> did
0: you time how long the Potsdorf I did. sequence is? I did.
1: How long is it? I want to know. 38 minutes. 40 minutes? 38 minutes. So yeah, if you had removed like a a you know this entire section from the movie, you would
0: have a two hour movie. It's like the Kentucky Fried movie has in the middle of it a yeah. fistful of yen. Well, it's the feature presentation, so it's not in the middle. Right. Um which I love. Like a lot of Kentucky mm. fried movie does not stand up. Uh, like watch it while you're in teenager because
1: you're watching in high
0: school. Yeah, that's it. Watch it while you're in high school. <laughs> um, but for me, I still love fistful of Yen is problematic as it is. I actually, I don't just like it better than enter the dragon. I think it's better than enter the dragon as a movie. <laughs> you see, I didn't get it at all because I'd never seen any of the
1: interviews. I hadn't either. I
0: need to see Into the... I hadn't either. And it was... When I saw Fistful of In, it was like my favorite comedy thing. (laughs) I thought it was so fucking funny. And I watched it recently. I'm like, I still think this is... Maybe it's just like imprinted on me at the right age. And I can just... It's like making me feel exactly the same emotions I felt when I was 14 and watching it with my friends and cackling in our basement while... Our parents were not paying attention, um, but I—I I don't know. I—I I even think the action in Fistful of the End is amazing and like works as both action and comedy, and so therefore is better than Fistful of, or uh, Ender the Dragon because it's doing more <laughs> and it's doing it in less time. Like you know, it's—it's it's a thirty-minute short in the middle of. Uh, in the midst of uh Kentucky Fried movie. And so this is kind of a similar thing. Right. It's like here, we're going to take a, put the pause button on the race. This isn't quite a pit stop. It's half our characters no, getting arrested. It's the other half getting embroiled in, actually they all get arrested in one way or another at some point. Because we're going to see uh, Maggie swimming um, in her under things kind of like in racing with the moon and <laughs> what was that? Was like a little whistle.
1: I, I'm sorry. I, I'm usually not that much, this much of a horn dog when talking about
0: movies, but oof. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie Wood is extremely attractive <sighs> in this movie. She's yeah. attractive. Like uh, sex and the single girls, a very sexy movie. Um, mm. and she's attractive in that, but in this one, I don't know. It's just it's you're sexier when you look like you're having fun to me. And yeah, she looks like she's having fun in this. Movie. Absolutely, oh, totally. Um,
1: no one. I mean, dour people. No, that's not sexy.
0: <laughs> no, like the pouty face. You know that '90s yeah, supermodel like, well, potty face. Yeah, the '90s supermodel.
1: I'm having a miserable time, and I wish I were anywhere no, else. It's like, like,
0: no. The ones where they're laughing. Um, gonna yeah, yeah. My my scene. Um, yeah, <laughs> I got a thing for the one that goes comes with the wallet. Well I gotta, you know, <laughs> if I'm gonna come, I gotta know what they're laughing at. I need to know if it's something actually mm-hmm. funny. I need to know. I need to get the joke. Yeah. Then it'll happen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're going to cut that. Uh,
0: (laughs) Probably is a good idea. Probably is a good idea. (laughs) I mean, if it's Albert Brooks, then it's over. (laughs) Um, Over which way? Comedy minus comedy. (laughs) Okay.
2: Uh, Okay. You're hitting my sore spots today.
0: You're... (laughs) You thought I was going to say like carrot top. That's why I was going. To, that's why I went there. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I don't
1: fault you for it. If, if I knew you had a sore spot, I'd
0: hit you there too. <laughs> it's, I only say it because I one hundred percent mean it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't want you to say it any other way. Where was I? Um, okay, so Maggie's swimming. Uh, they're in Potsdorf. They get stumbled upon by Bern von Stupa, who says, hey, you look like somebody I know. You're under arrest. They're all under arrest. Okay. Meanwhile. Now, she's with, oh, she's with fate at yes, that point. Yes, because right? fate's like, I need right. her around because she's going to, just by her presence, sabotage this race for Leslie. Right. Which is 100% see- prescient, right. by the way. Yeah. Like he's absolutely nailed it. Like he understands the dynamics yeah. here, which will not make him happy in the end. But hey, that's how villains be. Right. Um, and meanwhile, uh, we get a big welcome for Leslie and Hezekiah. Hezekiah gets very funny confetti in his mustache. Uh, and now we are going to meet the crown prince of Potsdorf, who is, surprise, a double role. Played by Jack Lemmon, who's going to get to do another one of his repertoire of distinct, silly laughs. I like to think of some like it hot. He's got his ha 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 ha. His like nervous, his nervous drag mm-hmm. laugh, and then he's got ha 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 as Professor Fate. Mm-hmm. But here it's more like <laughs> I don't know. I can't really, mm. really kind of a feat, childish. Pouncey. Probably
1: my least favorite Jack Lemon characterization.
0: The laugh gets
1: old. I, I like his walk. I think I he's think the walk is very funny. His his he he's got the limber lumber and 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 stance of someone that precisely of who his character is, and that yeah, that's he. When he it. wanders into but, the
0: music, he's like come. He makes his entrance, and then he's like does a turn and bow, and he stumbles into the music stands and, like, gets lost <laughs> among the orchestra and has to be guided the, out. Like, I genuinely the ba- laughed at that.
1: The, his sword banging into everything is was my favorite. Just the fact that his sword would hit every... Like, he sh- should no way be having that sword.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and his characterization I, I, of I, just making all these silly jokes, like, not being able to take anything seriously, not being engaged in in anything except for his own dissipation... I enjoy mm-hmm. all of that. It's just the laugh, punctuating every line with that laugh. It's it's too much. It's a little
1: too much. I, from my two thousand twenty two eyes, this is tired. Uh, probably was not so at the time, but like I, I've seen you do better. I, I I've seen this a lot, and yeah, I just I, I wanted I I was not taken by this characterization so much. However, this sequence. Does give my favorite, the the realest moment and the most perfect moment of performance, reality and heightened comedy in the whole movie and maybe the whole decade, <laughs> is when Jack Lemmon as Professor Fate is dressed as the prince, and because he is a,
0: a look alike because oh, he's both does he look alike. L- so that's that, And that's he's the
1: laying on the print he's laying on the prince's bed and all the Pekinese dogs are Aren't on there. Pugs? And he their pugs are Pekingese okay. I, I and and uh the one is right up next to his face and he keeps saying to get off the bed and then finally he turns to it and goes and goes I
0: hate you. Yeah,
1: that's and that's a great ad lib. Yeah. It's just, the it's the best moment in the he's movie. He's just playing off
0: these dogs who are super cute. Yeah. He's just
1: playing off these dogs and he's just like I hate you. And you just you feel it. There's, it's the it's the purest expression of that character in that moment. <laughs> I laugh so hard. This is just lovely dogs.
0: <laughs> I hate you. Uh, But earlier, I want to give a shout out. So when we're greeting, we're first meeting the crown prince. They're being greeted, and they're going to start a dance. Uh, Hezekiah's best bit of business in the movie is there's these attractive young ladies next to him. Everybody's like finding their dance partner, and there's these attractive young ladies next to him, to his left, and so he keeps glancing over at them. But he's like, I shouldn't. I'm I'm too old to ask them to dance, and so he's like. Uh, and one of them like makes eye contact with him and she's like, Oh, he turns right around and like dances with the old lady next to him who's more his age. <laughs> but you know, he really wanted to dance with the young ladies. But he's like, Ah, oh, I gotta I, act my age.
1: Now well, I, I got the impression that he was working himself up to ask the young the, the young lady next to him, and then she gets taken while he's working himself up and he just and then the the older lady steps in who's more his age. And like he does he just works his I'm gonna do it and then grabs her without looking and then he's like, Oh boy And I was oh, like, oh, I read I that felt differently. Pretty sad. I
0: read that differently.
1: I read it that way. I, I like I like your way better. I wish it had been more like that would have been funnier, like oh, I just and, and more appealing. I think But I'd read it yeah this like, No,
0: I, that's how I watched it the first time and watching it again today that that's definitely how I saw it because Okay the I like there's a better. number of young ladies who are getting picked out by young Young and man. they're looking at him like holding their cards, like they're willing. Yeah. And I'm like, really? And like, one makes <laughs> eye contact with them, and he's like, no, I better not. That really feels right. like a deliberate choice to me. Yeah. Um,
1: but he doesn't look at her before he grabs her. He just grabs that's her. That's good. And takes her out. I, don't know. I thought it was good business from uh, Keenan Wynn. It was good. I like the cigar box bit where, where, um, because he doesn't milk it. He just plays it very real. Jack Lemon falls into a, a, as the prince falls into the thing, opens the cigar box and and uh, for the great Leslie. And then Les- Leslie reaches in and grabs one. And Keenan Wynn goes, oh, well, I'll just come over there. And then he slaps it down without acknowledging he even exists. And Keenan's just, okay. <laughs> Play it cool. That <laughs> was on my favorite Keenan Wynn <laughs>
0: I'm glad you mentioned cigars. We didn't mention Maggie, yeah, and uh, Vivian Vance's character both smoke cigars in this movie. They're, like, they're stogieing it cigars up. Cigars is the a whole sign time. of we are emancipated. We are equal to men, but are still smoking like slender, feminine cigars yeah. in a feminine way. And right. I think that's one of the cool things about this movie is. Like, in contrast to magnificent men, Patricia, we first see her in in pants, mm-hmm. riding a motorcycle, like a, as a tomboy who can dress up. Maggie will never do that. She's always in these magnificent Edith head, you know, yeah. she's very femme the entire movie, you know. Very femme. Like, I don't need to act like a man in any way to show that I am equal to a man. Like, I'm going right. to be feminine the entire way. I don't know. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, it
1: was. I They showed her coughing on a cigar once, and I kept thinking, is that to show that she's not really up to That's in it? the saloon, right? Like that's yeah, in the a,
0: that's, that's sign that she's jealous. I made a note of that. That's when, oh, that's okay. when she starts getting jealous of Dorothy Praveen's character. That's like the first mm-hmm. chink in her armor, because before that, she's all... Yeah like striving, you know, showing her best side yeah. except for when she's loses a duel with um with Leslie at fencing because, you know, she's he happens to be physically stronger. But she's an international
1: fencing champion, which a will come into play. Women's I'm international certain, fencing
0: women's, champion. Which but I'm sure we're that's coming come up into to the big fencing, fencing scene. Okay, all right. So, I'm sure that yes, I'm sure we will bring that up again. Okay. So dancing scene. Now, Prince is done with dancing. He invites great Leslie into the back room. They have a conversation. Um, Leslie shows his charm once again, where he's like, I'm not so great. That's a, that's. He says something poetic about, you know, that's, that's a trifling title others have bestowed on me, but better belongs yeah. on those long dead and, he leaves the, the crown prince speechless, and again, it's just like by sh- it's like a humble brag, right? Like by showing yeah. by showing how humble I am, I'm showing how great I am.
1: Uh, well, that's the great Le- the great Leslie is a walking humble yeah.
0: brag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, where are we? Oh, so that is bedtime. Okay. Bedtime for Bonzo, for the Crown Prince, who's too drunk. Oh, a lot of time. Um, and he wants to know who's going to tuck him in and gives a very long searching look at Leslie. I noticed that. I'm like, oh they, they're kind of, think. <laughs> and like, oh, I thought Jack Lemmon was playing this character as childlike. Right. Is he supposed to be gay? Are we supposed to understand this all as being a feat in a limp wristed way?
1: And not just a man-child way. Yeah. yeah. Cause
0: like just like a minute later he's gonna be like he's looking at his mom's portrait because he has he has his uh I mean, chancellor or whatever, um, tuck him in his the worst Tucker inner in the kingdom.
1: It might very well be, but there's something just as childlike about You're the worst Tucker in her. Will you do it for me? You know, it's... That's still... You could still read that as child. I
0: mean, I think it's also, like, both and, (laughs) like, you know, you're gay because your mother was overbearing kind of deal is being suggested here. Like, Mumsy, I had a little too much to drink because you're not here to scold me. But because Mm. you didn't scold me, I'm gay. You know, it's like I don't know. Like,
1: I'm, I'm. Yeah, I haven't seen
0: *Victor I, Victoria*, so I don't, I don't know this side of Blake Edwards very well. Um,
1: I don't know what's going on in the 1960s, like uh, uh, ether about why they think gay people are the way they are. I, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna choose not to try to know. Yeah. <laughs> and go off a much more comfortable interpretation.
0: Of it. Right. You would think Blake Evers would be cool with it. I mean, his whole vibe to me and why I think he's on Maggie's side is because he's he's loves the people who stir up the shit. <laughs> you know, he loves the people who yeah, like no, yeah. walk into the situation and completely upset it. That's what all his movies are about. Is all these You're exactly right. shirts and then like his hero Waltzes in with complete disregard for their deal, and by the end, everything's chaos. You know,
1: right? That's what Clouseau does. That's the party. That's that's blind date. Yeah. That's you know yeah like ten and skin
0: deep are about the the stiffs who need to figure out how they're they're the stiffs. You know that they're the stiffs.
1: Well, that's that's great here because that's why I don't think even though uh, Jack Lemming is top billing, right?
0: It's, oh, good question. I hope so.
1: Which I assume I assume he, it was because I thought he was just the bigger and star. He's,
0: well, he's the biggest star. He's doing the most work. I mean, I, yeah, I think, he's yeah I, he's first on the poster. He's first on the poster because Tony Curtis
1: does not feel like the hero of the movie. He feels like a movie hero. But he doesn't. He does not feel like the hero. No, you're
0: right. He's the stock hero who right. needs to figure out how to stop acting like that. Right. How yeah. to stop acting
1: like that exactly. Yeah. But then again, so so if it's if it's Maggie's movie, if she's kind of the driving force, but but the the arc belongs to Leslie. Yeah. And then Lemon Jack, uh, Professor Fate is.
0: I mean, the arc belongs to Leslie because Natalie's victorious, though. Because Maggie's victorious over I, him, yeah. too. So I don't know. It's interesting.
1: Right. Yeah, so it is weird. Like, I don't really know who's the lead of this movie or whose movie this is. It's a three-hander? I don't know. It's a three-hander, yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think it's a three-hander. To For better or worse. Why do you say hander? Like, it's not, like you don't act with your hands as much as you do. You're being
1: handed. It's a two-hander, meaning you're being handed... Two stars, right? Isn't that right?
0: Oh. Or three stars? So if I ordered two drinks, I ordered a two-hander?
1: Well, that's two-fisting.
0: Yeah. Now, a big sandwich would be a two-hander. But this yeah. is one sandwich. But they call those big-mouth burgers.
1: Hmm. So a two-handed sandwich is a one-mouth burger. A two-handed... Sorry, right, I was thinking I'm sure we could run with this and I'm I'm out of ideas.
0: All right, we were somewhere. Oh, uh okay, so getting tucked in. Yeah. A secret passage in the wall. We are fully into the palace intrigue.
1: Yeah, when that all happens I'm like, "Oh my god, they're really kidnapping." Doing this?
0: Yeah. Now we're just doing a caper, right? Like With political prisoners, with, uh, you know, this is the plot of Prisoner of Zenda, which I guess I've never seen. But it's you hear about it like, oh, someone has to pose as a royal and figure out how to. You don't actually have the power, but you get to act like you have the power and who actually holds the power. Um, One of those deals, because the deal is they want to get this fop out of the way. They want to install uh, professor fate for the coronation so that he can name the conspirators as chancellor and then he'll abdicate and then they're actually in power. Uh, so it's all part of that. Right. All, all a plot. And, uh, and now it's just like a little Errol Flynn movie or something. I don't know. It's like a campy version of that. Yeah. Um, which I'm, f- Fine with this section. I actually find this section to be fun, even though it's a little light on jokes. It's just, it's it's camp. It's like a it's like Batman. It's like they're doing what would be a straight plot, yeah. but everything is done a little bit silly, you know? Right. Um. Peter Peter well, Fox yeah, disguising himself as a priest to sneak in. There's no joke there, except in the manner in which he's going to do it.
1: <laughs> right. The fact that he's walking, and then when he's sneaking, he goes back to his weird, like, crab walk. Yeah. That he does.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, to pose the bless me, bless you, my son, and then he's going to hit him on the head with a pipe. Right, exactly. And this is all pretty fun. And it's all leading to uh, Max doing something unexpected, and that is figuring out the plot. Freeing the great Leslie, who uh, Professor Fate has conspired to have arrested so that he'll be out of the race. But Max is like, well, I have to help Professor Fate and who can help him better than the great Leslie? So he goes, unbeknownst to himself, working against his boss's wishes and goes and frees the great Leslie from his Mm -hmm. prison cell. Uh, Meanwhile, Maggie has... Uh, intrepidly escape from her own cell But immediately fall into the arms of Beren von Stupa And she does it by Getting semi gets Yes, because she uses her own clothes as the <laughs> Rope uh, right. Ladder or whatever
1: um, Which, these these moments I go Yes, she's intrepidly used her
0: resources To be able to escape and like But a man wrote this. (laughs) A man wrote this. That's true. But we're going to get some beefcake with our cheesecake because... We
1: are. Tony Curtis is going to
0: take off his shirt, not his shoes, but his shirt to swim across a moat uh, to go rescue everybody Mm -hmm. and have a very gentlemanly duel with Baron Von Stupp. Okay, I want to talk about Mm -hmm. this because a couple things happened here... I just watched the Princess Bride yesterday. Mm, Yeah. And there's a couple things happen here that the Princess Bride calls back to. And that is Uh like the very gentlemanly duel where they pay each other compliments. You know, here they switch weapons.
1: Um,
0: Right. But like they, you know, giving the other the opportunity to take advantage in a dishonorable way as you're basically giving up your weapon. Uh, and the other not taking it because they respect the other's skill too much. Right. And right. then um, when you realize you're about to lose cowardly in a cowardly manner, just turning suddenly turning and running away. Like both of those beats yeah. um, are echoed in The Princess Bride, yeah. which I thought was funny. I just, just by coincidence, because Floyd uh, picked which, it for movie night. I just watched these two movies two nights in a row. The person who turns and runs away is Christopher
1: Guest who's married to Jamie Lee Curtis who's, who's a half of Maphrodite of Tony because Curtis. Of... <laughs> Tony Curtis is tucking Jack Lemon into bed
0: because of what happened we under that blanket it. in Alaska in the great race right it all connects
1: it certainly I think that did proves the theory I think we just proved it yeah, yeah. I, just I it. think the they polar bear
0: is probably involved like he probably contributed a <laughs> chromosome <Amazon. laughs> Well, that's how
1: they, how they kept warm. had to be that polar bear.
0: Okay. So the duel itself. <laughs> polar bear rug joke. Polar bear <laughs> rug joke. It's got to be one. All right. Huh. I got to ask. In the duel, which is between Leslie and Baron Von Stuppe, Leslie is, uh, has already bested the international women's fencing champion. And now he's up against mm-hmm. Potsdorf's finest swordsman, we learned earlier. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, what's his name? It is Baron von Stupa. Ross Martin. Uh, thank you, Ross Martin. Looks awesome in this fencing scene. He, he does. I mean, he's very he handsome really man. He's dressed mm-hmm. in this really cool silk shirt. Mm-hmm. He looks suave as hell. All evil. He's
1: handsome in a very interesting way. Like he, like he's not classically handsome, but he looks, he he's handsome in that kind of. Do I want to say like animal list? Like a really, like yeah, not quite rugged, I but like yeah, like kind of a rugged. bad cat kind of. Yeah, he's look. got the bad cat sexy vibe. Yeah. yeah, totally.
0: And he's very cat-like in his movement. Like he's very agile and kind of like yeah, supple kind of- in his movements
1: satin purple shirt he's got going yeah. on. I mean,
0: he looks like yeah. a guy who could kill you with the sword in this scene. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Tony Curtis, and I'm not trying to rag on the guy. <laughs> okay. All right, respect here. Greased, greased ham and a napkin. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> well, he's not I'm in a sorry. napkin because he's shirtless <laughs> I, throughout
1: the uh, scene. Well, I mean, I was trying to think of the white thing. Oh, okay. Like I, was trying to do,
0: I mean, I know. you know, I do like this part. He's... Is sporting a body that you don't see on movie stars anymore? Like where he just looks like a healthy man who has never spent any time in a gym.
1: I would kill to have that body,
0: honestly. (laughs) He looks like a strong, (laughs) fit man who takes care of himself but doesn't lift weights. Right. You know? So he's got no muscle definition. He just looks solid and strong. Right. And he does some good fencing. Tony Curtis. I think he looks. Oh, he does good fencing. Like his sword work is accurate. His sword work is right? great. Right. Very. Yeah. He looks very stiff. His arm is held up in a weird way. His he his, he leaps in a very stiff, like and, precalculated way. Yeah. He's not convincing think, to me. I
1: think. I think Ross Martin helps him out by doing the same stiff arm. But he's got it loose. Like he's got, you
0: know, he looks more, yeah. you know. Yeah. But he look, yeah, like he a cat's yeah, he looks like a better fencer, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. cat like. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, I think Ross Martin's awesome like as a physical actor in the scene. Oh, yeah. Tony exactly. Curtis Tony Curtis is okay. Like he's doing all the moves. He, he's doing his best uh, and yeah. that's fine. And it was fine. This looks a little stiff. And the scene gets really exciting when the third fencer from this movie is nowhere to be seen and isn't mentioned.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if Natalie would have come into that scene, how great would that have been? Giving him cause to run off. Because international
0: women's fencing champion Maggie Dubois is in a torture chamber being threatened by a poker painted red so that it looks like it's glowing (laughs) hot. (laughs) And a bit that would not play... uh, after nineteen, no. at, with the invention of color film, like is this and then she yeah.
1: throws herself in front of Hezekiah, which I kind of wanted to see a scene where Hezekiah, like, acknowledges, like, like changes his mind about her. Oh after yeah, because she's but, willing know, to
0: take the red hot poker. Yeah, yeah, for Hezekiah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she never gets a sword in her hand. With uh, <laughs> At this part of the movie You know, which a red hot poker is the same shape She as could have grabbed the that poker and used some cool. fencing moves That would have been cool Oh my god, the sexual
1: politics and all the visuals Would have been such a paper to write in college I know.
0: <laughs> But, you know, in this movie that's kind of progressive Like, here's the moment of casual sexism Where it's like, she doesn't get to partake in well, The fencing when it counts
1: Right, the 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 casual sexism is that they don't think that that would be a culmination of all their previous efforts, yeah. right? Just the man's going to do you it. You
0: know, it like she would need a female villain to pair off with, exactly. You know? And there isn't one in this movie, so she doesn't get to fight. However,
1: it does culminate in my favorite visual gag of the whole movie, which is 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 is. Ross Martin's jumping out of okay. to catch and then jumping
0: through I swear, boat. I'm not saying this just to make you mad. I'm just trying to explain myself. Okay, okay? all right. I think okay, this is an example of, of Blake Edwards getting this kind of comedy in a way that Stanley Kramer? Stanley Kramer doesn't get. For me. Okay. Right? Is that Stanley Kramer would show the guy jumping out the window and going through the boat, but he wouldn't set it up the same way. And right. the setup is the whole joke. The setup is the
1: whole. Th- that's the setup. Yeah. Setup, and that's the punchline. Yeah. The the punchline is the, the the fact that we didn't even know their boat was down there. Because he says said, he said until he's already crashing. He's through giving it. like a very a stock
0: villain speech. Yeah. You know, uh, live to fight another day. I must be parting. I have a boat waiting, and so and then he does like this really suave jumping out the window. And it looks great until he... Yeah, right. It doesn't look like a gag until he goes through the boat. He jumps out, goes right through the boat. You you think he's just going to do a
1: great, like, slip into the water, like a graceful thing. But no, he pans down to the boat crash. Like, it's not signaled at all. It's not signaled. And yet when it happens, it's, oh, he's got a boat. (laughs) It's 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 perfectly visually constructed in time. Yeah.
0: It's, a, it's, like it's the I best setup in, in the kiss. movie. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Oh
1: my god, it's so perfect. Yeah, you know right. Nothing in Mad World is like that. Yeah. So that's why that uh, you know for me that's the difference between the two. Um, well, if you think about it, that is also the visual. I mean, Blake Edwards later wrote in Pink Panther Strikes Back" or "Strikes Again." I can't remember which <laughs> one. Is, what they call it? The Does your dog bite? No. Reaches down to pet it. Ah! I thought you said your dog did not bite. That is not my dog. <laughs> I mean it's this in a way it's the same cat. Kind of like, I set this up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's,
0: I <laughs> okay, I gotta ask. So and scorecard Okay. Best straight player Uh I think there's only Two candidates For who Oh god yeah Because nobody's Playing straight in this movie Yeah Ross Martin The only other option Is Keenan Wynn Right And he gets a Yeah he he gets a little bit Of comical business
1: But Ross Yeah but he always Does it pretty straight He's not mugging Or or anything really Yeah
0: Ross Martin is awesome In this movie He's genuinely A good movie villain
1: as much as I love Keenan Wynn, I would give that to yeah. Ross Martin, for sure.
0: And we didn't mention, like, his only other thing I would know him from and I never saw it was the old, the original Wild Wild West TV show. He's the gadgeteer. He's the, uh, uh, um, what's his face? Who plays it in the movie? Kevin, Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein, Thank you.
1: He you plays go. the
0: Kevin Klein part in the TV show. Ross Martin. Oh, really? But he's got, like, he's hardly been in any movies. And I, yeah, as soon as he walked on screen, I knew him from the Twilight
1: Zone. I went, "Oh, okay."
0: Oh. I think he's, I think he's really great. Yeah, I think it's a shame. Okay, so what's going to happen next? We we all know that when a villain falls in water, he's toast. He will no longer be able to function in any mm-hmm. capacities. It's going to splash around. <laughs> so we don't have, don't have to see what happens when he goes to the boat. It's we know he's wet now. Either. He's done. We're going to get the coronation. It's a pretty funny scene. But this will very quickly culminate in, I don't know, he like hides in a bakery. It doesn't matter. Like, this is all set up for what has to be the biggest pie fight of all time. And I say that in the sense that Blake Edwards mandated, I am going to make the (laughs) biggest pie fight of all time. And I think this is where the dedication to Laurel and Hardy probably really counts. Um, Because this is, he's trying to outdo Battle of the Century in which three thousand pies were thrown and so he's gonna throw four thousand pies. And this is the scene I just contrast this with the saloon where like we talked about it like the saloon brawl yeah. just like, builds and it has beats to it and like a rhythm to it and like there's no like real wasted action in it. The pie fight, no. like it's just a bunch of pies it's getting just thrown. Throw, it's just a bunch of pies. There's a bunch of people throwing pies at and around, you know, and yeah, it doesn't really it. have any music
1: to it. Empty spectacle is that is the that's how yeah. you
0: describe that scene. It's it's spectacle for sure. Oh, ton, pies keep getting thrown. But like all those extras dressed as chefs, they're just like aimlessly throwing pies. Like there's no, right. oh, I'm mad at you. And so I'm going to get my cub up and sit you. But you ducked. And so I hit the other guy. We start with that but it doesn't it's not building right, you know. I watched yeah. Battle of the Century today. It's not an especially funny pie fight. <laughs> you know, I love Laurel and Hardy. This would not make my top mm-hmm. 50 Laurel and Hardy
1: movies, <laughs> you know, or whatever,
0: you know, like I wouldn't yeah. it's not a standout to me. Uh it doesn't even approach the Three Stooges, which I think is probably like in terms of like hitting the fancy society lady to the point where she's so mad that she's going to throw a pie at you as unbecoming as that is like, that's the, those slow burn moments are how these pie fight scenes work. You know, like I can't believe how much you just humiliated me. Like this, this movie, (laughs) this, this scene doesn't take the time to do that. Right. I don't know.
1: No, it's, 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 it's
0: Natalie Wood gets the most yeah. mad that she could hit with a pie. And it's just kind of, it doesn't, there's no build to it. I don't know. Right. And it is funny. There's people coming up. It is funny. Leslie walking through the scene in his all white costume and not <laughs> and getting, any getting any hit. on it, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I was more impressed with just them being able to shoot that and not get. Yeah. Any there's on. one spot. I, I watched it again very carefully. I saw it. One little red spot gets on yeah. it. The first time I was like, "How did they get it? How did they get the takes?" You know, because if he did get any on him, he has to go change. You know. Yeah, the, the all white suit. Yeah. yeah, totally. And so that gag works. Yeah, it does. But the rest of it really doesn't. <laughs>
1: if 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 it wasn't for waiting for Leslie to get anything on him, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it's just mayhem for mayhem and it's not even really
0: doesn't feel like mayhem it just feels like i mean everybody's already and, suffered so much indignity at this point that there's none to lose by getting hit with the pie <laughs> i think that's the problem right with it. exactly uh except for leslie you know he's the only one who, the fact that maggie gets hit with a pie she's already like say she's already in her underwear wearing an officer's coat to conceal herself like with everything she's been through, right. like getting hit with face with a pie is not the worst that's happened to her today. <laughs> no. Not so, at all. So, I don't know. And they should probably just be like whipped cream pies. Like I. Yeah, they should just be whipped yeah. cream pies. Why do they actually have to go the full? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not, I didn't even translate the money, but this is like an incredibly expensive scene. Uh, <laughs> Leonard, Leonard Malton said compared the Great Race
1: pie fight to the Battle of the Century and determined that Laurel and Hardy's pacing was far superior and that more modern films suffered the more modern films suffered from a quote incomplete understanding of slapstick while the 1927 pie fight remains quote one of the great scenes of all screen yeah, comedy I mean it's better so according than to this. Wikipedia
0: um, yeah, it doesn't so, I I still I I but, would count the three stooges one is is better than that even.
1: exactly but really how could it be if it's just pies getting thrown i mean you need the narrative stakes in not being hit like again i one of my favorite moments uh in in all these old guys is in the horn blows at midnight when jack benny in the climax is being dragged through the giant um mechanical advertisement for coffee it's got a giant glass teapot yeah. that's draining liquid out of pouring. And Jack Benny gets sucked in and they keep saying, he's, Oh no, he's falling in the pot. <laughs> I'm falling in the pot. <laughs> oh no, he's getting sucked down the tube. He's going to, and then he's, and then like, he's going to fall. And then like, he's hanging on and all the coffees rolling over him. And he goes, I'm getting wet. <laughs> that's the, like uh, yeah cuz that's the most critical thing for you right now and that's what was funny <laughs> there's was pie pile over Discord. my
0: face yeah
1: exactly and that but yeah here it's kind of it's like it's like well why why does it matter
0: <laughs> <sighs> all right we need to end this thing okay they get out of Potsdorf race is back on we've spent a little too long here <laughs> they do stop so do to we. <laughs> clean up Maggie is kind of throwing off mixed signals. She's posing provocatively, trying to make sure her shoulders are exposed and her blanket uh, as she sings, pulls out the guitar, because Hezekiah wisely says, "Uh, I better go. Let you two fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And so she sings uh, Mancini's bid at Oscar brass with... The Sweetheart True. Is that the name of the song? No, Tree. Sweetheart Tree. It grows in the forest somewhere. Yeah, I wrote down all the... That's it. Yeah, Yeah. the Sweetheart Tree. And I gotta say... Gotta be. This ain't no Moon River. Oh, no. In terms of songs that just come out of nowhere for the heroine to sing uh, and for Mancini to show off his songwriting chops. And lest you don't get
1: them all, they immediately bring out the... Titles, lyrics printed at the bottom of the screen with the bouncing that ball. That was
0: good. Like, hey, remember what kind of movie this is trying to be? Right, you know? exactly.
1: We're not gonna get earnest on y'all. Yeah, all of a we're
0: not taking any of this too seriously, right? Like we're here to have a good time, folks. And now we'd already heard
1: this song in the overture, and I wrote down all the lyrics because I was like, really? Is that what they said? <laughs>
0: Well, there is one line, so, yeah, uh, you know, it? when she's wrapped in that blanket uh, playing this song, I'm thinking uh, there's two big blossoms of white. I wouldn't mind so bursting into sight. <laughs> there, that was my, I wrote that joke out. Yeah. Cause I want to make sure I said it during the podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, has to answer. So Leslie, so moved comes over and says, it's time to that we put aside our differences. I'm willing to concede to your point of view. Therefore, we are getting it on. Right? right. And she's like, hey, hold on. It's not that easy. And she's not really going to explain herself until they're dressed and driving uh She gives them a into, nice smack across the into face. Paris. Uh, mm. And they're going to have this whole argument like, uh-oh, battle of the sexes. Here we go. Will they, won't they?
1: Hezekiah feeling like the biggest third wheel.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. And uh, it comes down to uh, she finds um, Leslie arrogant, that he assumes that uh, she will uh, accede to his uh, advances as soon as he just simply parrots her point of view. And I think she's Mm. right. I think think the writing does well by Maggie here. I gotta say. Yeah, far more than poor
1: Patricia in Magnificent yeah. Men, the writing completely abandoned her. Yeah. And, and no, this
0: stretch of the movie is about her and Leslie, not about Leslie and yeah. Professor Fate. Um, right. We enter Paris. Suddenly, even though we're in a city and presumably going slower because of it, um, now everyone's wearing awesome goggles, which we didn't see before, <laughs> uh, designed by Edith That's Head along with everything else here we get a little bit of tension for me where Blake is showing a little bit of Maggie being in over her head and that she's like, turn right here. I know Paris. And he's like, if I go that way, I'll be on the certain steps of the French name. And then that sets up a gag where we cut to professor fate and Max bouncing down these stairs and being very unhappy. And of course, Max is or uh professor fate like, Looks angrily at Max because he's bouncing, but it's like one of these moments, like the like the fencing scene between them, where Maggie is like professing that she knows this stuff, but she is actually a little wrong, and Leslie actually knows better. Well, there's that whole conversation when the
1: Stanley Steamer dies, when he says, when she says, "Well, you know, you have to admit you did choose this car." And she goes. I didn't choose the car. The Sentinel chose yeah, the car. Right. I was like, Yeah, but you knew it was a wrong car, and now you're just abnegating your. They were yeah. you know, <laughs> doing that, throwing that stuff back and yeah. forth. You relied on a man to choose your car, and yet knowing you're wrong, you proceeded anyway.
0: Yeah. That that whole. I mean, Blake Edwards is not Mary suing yeah. Maggie here, which is it just, which right.
1: honestly is good. Yeah. You know, you know, but you you don't want to undercut your point, but you also don't want to. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Another
0: <laughs> famous line, not delivered by either Jack Levin or exactly. Tony Curtis. Well,
1: th- that's the thing: is like nobody's perfect, but just because that doesn't mean you you are not equal. Equality shouldn't be a thing just because then nobody's
0: perfect. Yeah, um, <laughs> you but know. As, you know what's important to him is that he shows that he knows the right way. I won't win anyway, but my way. Leslie has said earlier. Um, there's mm-hmm. no advantage to winning too easily. He has to win it his way. Professor Fate says that about Leslie. He's got to win his way. That's why Maggie's not going to uh, give him to him, and we're going to get served baked beans on the ice floe. <laughs> 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 Professor Fate says here, I won't win anyway, but my way after what's about to happen because. Leslie is going to let go of his ideal in a way that Professor Fate can't, right? right? He you come back to the hero. Right. The
1: villain will um, will uh, you know, never let yeah. go. That's The, the difference. hero
0: understands he needs to change tack. And Leslie says, I'm going to prove that I love you. I'm going to show that winning the race isn't everything to me. And so I'm going to stop here and show that there's something more important to me than showing my superiority for once. Right. And uh, that will be enough for Maggie to devote her rest of her life to him, or at least get married. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of <Professor> Fate <laughs> wins. So once again, just like Mag- Mag- Magnificent Men, the hero loses the race in order to do the unselfish deed that will win him the girl. And his rival right. will win instead. In uh, Magnificent Men, his rival is... Kind of the second hero uh, instead of the outright villain. Terry Thomas doesn't get to win, right? No. But here the Terry Thomas uh, equivalent, Professor Fate, wins the race, is immediately outraged. I refuse to accept. You cheated. You let me win. You cheated. (laughs) I challenge you to another race immediately. I won on your terms. Yeah. (laughs) I won't win any way but my way. And so immediately challenges through a race back to New York. We didn't know how great this race was going to be cuz we're only halfway through. <laughs> but the movie mercifully know. ends with one more cannon gag <laughs> which I didn't really understand. What I didn't really understand what
1: I was supposed to did it fall on Leslie or did it just miss and hit the
0: Tower. Yeah, we don't like exactly what. What, she, what was I supposed to take from right. that? So they're starting the race no back to New York. For so they're that. just around, going the other way. Leslie's car is now a just married car with Maggie with him. <laughs>
1: Professor Faith's plan was just to straight up murder <laughs> Leslie in front of all these yeah, Parisians. Right. And
0: then drive. That's how I'm going to win. Drive. drive. Uh, take a leisurely drive back <laughs> to New York. The next couple. So Leslie go first, hit the button, Max. Shoots the cannon and is set next on the Eiffel Tower. We don't know exactly how. Possibly killing hundreds, if not thousands of people. <laughs> in addition to destroying a world landmark. Doing the job that alien invasions are supposed to be doing later <laughs> in history. Right. And that's the end of the movie. We get the, the end card with a really ornate, scribbly yeah. thing around it that... Somebody, the editor decided this movie is too fucking long. We're not waiting to watch this script <laughs> being done.
1: <laughs> so you were bothered yeah, by that
0: too. This isn't, I was like, hey, the thing's not yeah. finished. I know. I don't need it to be uh, symmetrical. Like we're fucking fading yeah, out just, now. <laughs> I have to take a piss like a racehorse.
1: I'm going up. I can't, as Pat Oswald said, I can't miss another one of my kids recitals. <laughs> this movie's ending. I can't sit here in this room and keep eating, 2 a.m. eating red vines and cuckoo room. <laughs> I have to oh. end it. Wow. Hey, you know, speaking of Patton Oswalt, I, you know, on the new Mystery Science Theater, Patton Oswalt plays TV's son of TV's Frank. But they call him Max. And I always wonder why they chose Max and I, as a name. Uh, I thought maybe it was like, you know, Max from... From the Grinch Stole so Christmas, he's a toady kind of name. Obviously, Max is here, in but then the Great Race has repeatedly Jack Lemon saying "push the button, Max," oh. and I couldn't help think, I wonder if they're if Great Race is because I didn't even realize Doctor Clayton Forrester is the name of a doctor in War the, the War, War of the Worlds yeah. movie. I didn't. I never knew that until just recently. So I would not put it past them. Found that out today. Actually. Oh yeah. yeah. I just. Yeah. So like, um, I found out just a couple yeah a couple of days ago. So like, uh, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if if they chose Max just to say to reference this movie and saying push the button okay. Max. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't While be surprised.
0: watching this movie, I was like, oh, they should have called them Max in the first place instead of Frank. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay, we need to end this episode. I have one more note, if I may visit it. Oh, can, I, can, we, cut it, can we fade out this episode in the, in the middle, middle of, it of it like the title yeah. did? <laughs> uh, Leslie wears a number of sweaters. And I'm just trying to think, how many action heroes? He's got some action in this movie. How many action movies wear sweaters? Or action heroes? Like, how many prominent sweaters in action movies can you think of?
1: Well, it's not an action movie, but Freddy Krueger. Freddy,
0: okay, Freddy Krueger. Very good. <laughs> I was thinking of Quint from Jaws. Quint? He wears a sweater. He's got some good sweater action. Chris Evans
1: had some great sweater game in like Knives Out. <laughs> Knives Out a not great really sweater action.
0: movie. Good call.
1: It's a fantastic that sweater might be movie. The, I think the,
0: that might be like in the sweater movie of Mount Rushmore. Well, if you can think of any great sweater-wearing action heroes... Please let us know. Uh, send us an email at you watched it wrong at happypanic because email is still good and viable. You can do that. <laughs> uh, you could put it on our Facebook page uh, if you want to support evil enterprises. Um, we have one there. We also have a Twitter feed. There is with the letter U watched it wrong. Um, I'm Siggy Llama, two G's, two L's, one A, M, M, M. Uh, he's Carney of Steel on Twitter. Uh, those are also our, our letterbox profiles.
1: Which is really where you should get yeah. us because that's where we're the most but active. you can't like
0: send us a DM on letterbox. So, uh, you could make a list, a letterbox list of sweater wearing action movies and then Email us great. the link to that list. That'd be the best. Actually, let do that. That's your assignment. Um, <laughs> or leave us a review on iTunes and a rating that helps people find us and makes us feel good. Uh, anything else? What's coming up next? We teased it. We mentioned it.
1: Next up is the follow-up to those magnificent men and their flying machines. Yeah. We can't get enough of it, folks. We're getting the sequel It's those daring young men in their jaunty jalopies. Also, mm 69. A good four years afterwards. Great race uh, loses a
0: little bit of money. So they take a little pause and say, Oh, let's cool it on this epic race stuff. But um, one more bite at the apple. Maybe we can. We won't do the two in the same month thing again. They
1: took a tip from Siggy and said, okay, let's put them all on the ground. Let's take them out of the air and put them on the ground. So that's what they did. The movie's also under the title Monte Carlo or Bust, if you're going to go. If you're renting it from Apple, uh, it's uh, there as Those Daring Young Men. But if you uh, go most other places, it's Monte
0: Carlo or Bust. Well, you can consult the metadata of our next episode. To know for sure if we do it right, and if you thought race make one great, you watched it run. <laughs> you watched it run. <laughs> Wacky
2: races.